I don't like this new video format on Skype. It's new shit. Yeah, I haven't updated anything. Oh, dude, it's disgusting. It's like, it puts us like side by side instead of like you as my main screen and like a tiny box of me in the corner. Oh, no. It puts us like side by side. And my face is like in my, as I'm speaking, I'm like watching myself. It's fucking weird, dude. I don't like it. Dude, all yeah, these people. It's like terrible. They, yeah. They're making this bullshit. Okay, that's better. I switched it back. Yeah, dude, that's horseshit. Yeah. All this technology, dude, like they're not making anything better. It's making it worse. Like less intuitive, less easier to use, and fucking stupider to look at. Heavy. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy, heavy. Bored. as much good content here uh, sex wise well it's funny because this I would say yeah more happens in this book but oh yeah no this... it's definitely <laughs> it's a uh, Twilight 2.0 the new and improved update oh yeah except not because from Windows XP to like Windows 7 um, it's like if you could take if you could take sex more oh out of it if you could make it less hot somehow except it's not i don't know i'm like it's all the same it's just all the same you mean the book or yeah well yeah i mean it's the same characters and stuff but yeah i did talk about that that it's basically the exact same plot over again, if we're talking plot-wise. But yeah, you know, I did all that. We've I don't watched. Know. I just, yeah, I just came off of watching the movie. Yeah, good. <sighs> yeah, um, movie was a fun, fun time. Watched it with Bill had to explain a lot of things he had quite a few questions yeah well that's a good measurement too is like watching it with someone who's never read the books is always a good tell of whether or not you know it's well done or not right like if you yeah. don't know all the stuff that happened in the book can you still watch this movie and enjoy it right like that's literally the benchmark of adapting yeah i mean but there's just also all this goofy shit Edward's face, yeah. Eddie Boy's face. It just—it looks like he's wearing lipstick the whole time, and all of his sad faces just look kind of like he's smelling something bad, and it's putting him in pain. You know, which I get it. Like it's the idea essentially that they're going right. for, because I guess he's supposed to be like smelling something good. You know. But it looks like there are so many people in this movie that looked like they just huffed a bad fart. Yeah, there was a lot of that. There's a lot of this, a lot of the slow motion stuff. Like anguished faces. But like faces. Jasper, yeah. the actor. 
It always like, well, whatever he's doing with his face in the last movie and in this one. <laughs> it was like he always kind of just looks like he's shitting himself a little yeah. bit. And this time there were moments where he was like, it still looked like he was shitting himself, but like he was enjoying it, you know? Yeah, it made me think a lot of like that scene in, in Lord of the Rings where it, like I think it's the two towers where like Frodo and gets attacked by that spider. In the movies that well, in the books, it's the two towers or wait. In the, in the movie, it's the third movie, right? I don't know. I think it was the two or, towers. I, don't know. I always mix it up. Just because. Them. But, you know, when he gets stung with that thing, dude, like, they get, like, this close-up on Elijah Wood's face, and it's, like, slow motion, and, like, (laughs) he's getting stung with, like, that poison, and it just looks like he's, like, struggling to shit, like, in that... I remember when I always (laughs) laugh, because it was, like, this terrible, like... "Mm." It looked like he was making some (laughs) terrible face, like, pushing. Well, Elijah Wood always kind of... Yeah, Elijah Wood always kind of looked like that throughout that movie whenever something was happening with him. Like, whenever he was, like, putting on the ring, you know? It kind of looked like he was coming or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude. So if listeners haven't heard yet, uh, we lied last week. We're not doing color (laughs) this week. We pushed it off because now we have have Twilight Fever, dude. We are reading all the Twilight books just because... We're just Twilight fangirls now. That, but it's also, there is this, I don't know if it's just like completest, like completest kind of thing. Like I want to know the entire story, but yeah, you do. Well, it's baffling because you understand how bad it is, but also like you can't not do it. And you don't even have like all of that, like teenage girl insecurity deep down inside of you. No, I also don't have. has that weird response. I want to talk about this too, but I also don't. Yeah, I also don't have the nostalgia because I never read these or and like didn't watch the movies when they were big during that time. So, yeah, it isn't quite nostalgia for me either. So I don't know what it is. I want to talk about it. I mean, maybe it's that it's like easy. It just moves quickly. Like it's just it's junk food, you know? Yeah, maybe that. There's some of that. But yeah, this is the book of um, Jacob, Daddy Boy Jacob. Daddy Boy. Daddy Jacob. Daddy Jacob. So I was calling him for about half the book. I mean, there's a clear point where he transitions from young boy Jacob, like little, like, cuckbay Jacob to Daddy Jacob. Yeah. And that's like when he becomes Eddie 2.0. Who is Eddie? Edward. Oh, oh I was Edward. also calling him Eddie in this book because I was oh, sick of yeah. writing out Edward. Edward. Yeah, I Edward disappears here. Ed- he kind of disappears in this book, which I was a little disappointed in, but uh, I guess he does come back some. <clears throat> Not a single person calls him Ed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody calls him Ed. He's got no clothes. Jacob friend. gets Jake all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we discovered something fun in our um in my well, I, I I was reading some fun tidbits in the back of the book, checking out the acknowledgments page. 
found some fun tidbits about Steph's inspiration. Yeah, that was funny. I want to talk about that too, like the acknowledgments page. Uh, for listeners, well, I guess first we should say what podcast this is since we never tell people. This is Heavy Board, bitch. Heavy Board. I'm Andrew Whitstadt. I'm Sophie. Let's talk about Daddy Jacob. Yeah, and uh, I think we both have the same version, so we both have the Little Brown again. We just have, like, the whole series. If you go on Amazon, like, it's literally, they have them all and, like, recommended if you click on one of them. It's like, yeah, why don't you buy all four? And I did. I bought all four. Uh, so now I'm an owner of the Twilight series in its entirety. And uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it here. First things first, let's just do thoughts, and then we'll morph into whatever. What do you think of the book? I mean, it's bad, and I can't stop, you know? Yeah. Like, I still enjoyed it. I had many criticisms, but I had a really fun time. It's a bad book. Really fun. So I don't know if that actually means it's a bad book, but, you know, it's confusing. I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. Like, most of my notes are critical, but I also enjoy, like, watching a shitty movie that you, like, you hate watching it, but also you feel connected to it somehow. But this is different. This is, like, I feel more connected to this, I guess, because I, like, because of the nostalgia thing and because of all the insecurities that I, I apparently, troublingly still harbor some of somewhere in me yeah i liked this book better than the first book yeah there's less sort of just we're hanging out and we're talking but it isn't so much because it's like a good book (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it's it's there is something and that's why i kept thinking about this like it's not nostalgia for me because yeah like i although and this gets to that acknowledgments page that you went to talk about like it was, I am nostalgic for the period, not necessarily Twilight as like an intellectual property or like a phenomenon, but I am nostalgic for that time period because that was like my coming of age years, right? Peak emo. The emo era. Yeah. Like the emo era. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. Emo takeover. And emo I was thinking. Emo takeover 2008. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, like. It was, at first, I was like, okay, Twilight is stupid, it's lame, but it's like, it is part of that kind of emo, hot topic error, error, era. There you go. With, uh... Error, era, you yeah, know, it could earlier. be both. <laughs> it's earlier than usual it when we record. It could have been an error. <laughs> I haven't finished my coffee yet. Yeah, we're like, uh... My brain's Many people would slow. say that the emo period was uh, an error. Oh. That it was a mistake. I don't think so. <laughs> I fucking um, like it. I think people we kind of pretend, we like we make fun of it now that like people do pretend that it was like awful, and I guess like a lot of the fashion was awful. But it was, like, I mean, it was a huge thing. Like, everybody was feeling that. Like, it's very millennial, right? Like, the emo sensibility is exclusively millennial. 
Nobody understands me. I mean, that's exclusively teenager, maybe. But, yeah, the whole emo thing, I think, was sort of really... It boomed at that time. It boomed during our high school. Yeah. So she has this paragraph at the end of her acknowledgments for this book. I didn't look at the one for Twilight. I wonder... Um, and finally, thank you to the talented musicians who inspire me, particularly the band Muse. There are emotion scenes and plot threads in this novel that were born from Muse songs and would not exist without their genius. <laughs> also, Linkin Park, Travis, Elbow, Coldplay, Marjorie Fair, My Chemical Romance, Brand New, The Strokes, Armor for Sleep, The Arcade Fire, and The Fray have all been instrumental in staving off the writer's block. Uh, Also, her brother's name is Jacob. (laughs) She basically lists all, like, the top hit emo things that were happening at the time. Uh, I mean, definitely big bands, or, you know, a handful of them. Yeah, and that makes sense. Like, I, I... when you first showed me that, Sophie sent me like a picture of just like the last paragraph in the acknowledgments for the New Moon version, where she lists all these bands, like where uh, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is uh, listing all these bands that she like is that Sophie just read, you know, that inspired her, and you know whatever. Like I listen to music and stuff, especially during editing and things like that. Like whatever. My instinct when you showed me that uh, was to make fun. And we did. Sophie and I definitely made fun back and forth via text. Uh, but like, then I oh shit, you put that in the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a different time, dude. It would probably be. People. It would probably be considered cool at that time. Uh, I don't know, man. The cool kids at school didn't think that like emo. my My Chemical Romance T-shirt was hot. Right, <laughs> you know, that's they true. weren't like that's cool. She knows cool. It was cool to the people that would buy into this book. What was the cool thing at that time, though? I mean, we were in high school, so it was about, like... I mean, at least for me, I went to a public school, so... I guess you went to school with all dudes. So, but, I mean, it was very cliquish, so it was still, like, sort of classic, popular... Popular kid shit, jocks, preppy girls. I don't know. Is the dynamic different now? I assume that that's still, like, a thing, even if, you know it's like less uncool to be a loser now or something, which I just refuse to believe, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's just a lie. Yeah, all these people pretending that our first mistake, yeah, was pretending that nerdiness was any, any way related to coolness. Like it's not like, yeah, but yeah, I'm trying to think back of like, okay, what was the cool thing? It's like the cool thing was what? Like jam bands. I remember like, Ugh. that, uh. but they weren't cool either. Like, you know, like it was, they sucked. People just, no, people just learned at some point that they wanted to be stoners and that, like, I don't know, like a select few kids who, like, listen to fish. Like Miles Davis. Yeah. Like Miles Davis, I've been swayed by the cool. Dude, it was, I don't know. I remember, like, having the one friend who was, like, hanging out with some guy who had a jam band and going to a jam session and being so fucking bored like 
and he wasn't hot and his music wasn't cool and I didn't care. It's like, this is really boring. Can we stop pretending that it's fun? Well, I just remember like, like Jack Johnson was big then too, but like, was that even cool? Like I thought that was like, well, I guess in the circles we hung out and we made fun of that, but you know, we're like Jack Johnson, Jack's Johnson or whatever, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. We'll keep talking about this as we go bring it up because I am, as we, like I said, we started making fun of it as soon as like we texted back and forth about the acknowledgements of these kind of like mm, uh, dated bands now too. I mean, a lot of these bands aren't even around anymore. There's like, you know, this was 15, over 15 years ago. So it's like, but then as I thought more about it, I was like, okay, my instinct is to make fun of this. But then also, like, this was part of, like, the larger pop culture at the time. Like, who, did she name these bands? Those bands all had, like, top... Yeah, I think the fray was kind of, like, not really emo. Like, they were just sort of, like, what regular bitches listen to. Yeah, and the fray, but it had, like, that, you know, this was, like... Because that had some good radio play, too. Right, because I always... Radio kids. I compare like the fray to like the national or something like the, uh... nah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> but there, there was this dark undertone to like the pop piano music that they were, yeah. that they yeah, were yeah. making. So they do kind of fit in a way. And like, and they were like, it was, all it those... was like the one Republic of that time. It was the one Republic of that moment. What's one Republic. And pull up one of their songs real quick. Just type in One Republic. You'll... No, I'm not doing that. No. That Are song they... that's like too late to apologize. I don't know. I mean, I've probably heard it, oh. but yeah, I don't. I don't keep up with anything, dude. Like, <laughs> I don't keep I mean, up with any. This was from like a good while ago. Yeah. Then I might have my memory jogged, but still. Dude. Because it was something, like, and I think, I guess what I'm trying to say, this is a long way of saying that, like, this novel series and movie series was definitely tied into that. Like, you can't separate them from, like, the emo thing that happened in our culture back then and this vampire kind of watered-down vampire oh, the romance vampire series. thing. And I'm sure that was always, like, somehow connected, even, like, you know, I'm sure, like, the whole goth thing has existed for quite a while, and that the whole vampire thing was probably around for that, you know, in some capacity. There was some kid walking around with, like, pale makeup or, you know, same thing with, like, the cat girls. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about, like, girls who like cats. I'm talking about, like, girls who wear, like, cat ears to class and shit. <laughs> I mean, like, that might be different now, but when I was in high school, that was like, oh, you're strange. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's not a normal thing to do. Yeah. It's not a normal thing now either. Like, when people are doing that, like, no, it's not cool. I, mean, I like, don't know, man. I'm not nice. No. Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, like, it's not, it's the same, though. Like, that's what I, like, you were right. Like, it's the same. Like, it's, it's, yeah, the kids that were cat ears to high school now, like, they're still not cool. Okay. <laughs> like, they're still fucking freaks. All right. Like, 
I mean, like, they might, <laughs> I mean, maybe they, um, have a group. Of a more, maybe there, maybe there is a larger cattier movement. Yeah, I don't think and so. <laughs> acceptance. <laughs> maybe they found their, maybe they found their club. We are maybe the ones that tribe. wear cat ears. <laughs> maybe they have some secret society in Italy or something, dude, that like. They all wear cat ears as they go to these old churches. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, right? All right, so we're going to keep bringing up this emo period because I think it is vital now. Like, like I said, I, my instinct was to make fun of it and be like, this is stupid. But then I started, I put on <laughs> Muse. <laughs> and I put I was, on. I was listening to Louder now. I was listening to Louder now yesterday morning. It was yeah, great. It Bill walked in and I was like, jamming out hard to all let you live yeah like it was meaningful (laughs) sophie and i texted about this yeah louder now is hands down the best emo album ever written i don't know if i i mean it's great i'll die on that hill you hey i don't blame you it's a really good one like there are some other really good ones out there what uh, which other ones come close I have a few in mind. I mean, but... Brand new. Yeah, I was going to say, which, Dejan Tandu or? That's up there. That's what I say. Yeah, that's up them. there. That's up there. That's, 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 what, I, I'd be willing to argue with somebody and like respect. Well, the one before that, with on a semester abroad and 70 times seven or whatever. Right, right, right. But I just mean like cohesive, great... coherent, like, yeah. like entire album wise, like just start to finish. Yeah. Like, Deja and Tandu's probably a better album than the previous one, right? Like, I think that's... true. We could objectively say that, and then I would be like... So, yeah, I was thinking that, and then I was thinking, okay. Yeah, go for it. Modern Baseball, You're Gonna Miss It All is pretty great. Yeah, what year was that? I'd have to look at it I think that was... They were a little bit later, but they were definitely listening to Taking Back... Like, they were definitely listening to Louder Now. They were definitely later. I didn't listen to them until I was, like, probably... In my twenties, I think. Well, they're a little younger than us, modern baseball. So it's like yeah. they but yeah, they're good, but they were a little bit like after the height of the emo craze. We're yeah, like brand new big I'll I'll stand by that one, my chemical romance album. Which one? I don't think it's the best one out there, but it was one of my favorites. Three cheers for sweet revenge. Three cheers for sweet revenge. It's funny because I was thinking about that too. Because good the one. The Black Parade, I think, is their best album. My Chemical Romance's best album. And I was thinking that, too, is like, that might be one of the top emo albums ever written, too. Guess what? Came out the same year <laughs> as Louder Now, which is the same year that Muse yeah. released uh, Black Holes and Revelations. <laughs> like, literally. That's fucking great. 2006. So this book came out in 2006, listeners. I mean, is that the and, best Muse album? Uh. I don't. I don't know. And I wouldn't call Muse emo. It was no, not quite. But it's there. It's I there. Mean, it's like it's just not as explicitly like emo as a genre. He, he was like, I always felt like you know, who's that guy from that band that I fucking can't stand? Maroon Five. Who's that guy? Who's Maroon Five guy? Adam Levine. Adam Levine fucking can't stand him. I always thought that Muse was like, you know, 
but Adam Levine could never be. Hmm. It's funny because songs about like, Jane, Adam I think. Adam didn't suck. Yeah, but. Yeah, I mean... I'm sure it's catchy. I think I just got really annoyed with it at some point, and then they progressively continued to, like, get bad, like, get worse. Yeah. But I just mean, like, 2006. So this book came out in 2006, right? We already talked about the first one, Twilight, last episode. And that was 2005. And then, the you know, the series kind of got big and it started taking off. And I think it was like, boom, boom, boom. Like, they just released one after the other. Because she'd already been working on these books. Like, I think she said she started writing the first one in 2003. You know, takes a couple years to get that published. By the time that got published, she'd probably already finished the sequel. You know, and then you could just easily just bang them out when there was a demand kind of thing. Uh, but I just, like, that whole, like, that's like, it, it's... And that's what I started thinking about. Like, you know, it's easy to make fun of those kind of bands that we would be like, and she's a little older than us, right? So she's, she wouldn't have been as in to the emo stuff, but she's not that much older than us that she was like I mean, oblivious. She was, okay. Yeah. And I had like, I said this when we were reading Twilight again, as a person who like, you know, come into terms with the fact that as an adult, you know, I'm still enjoying this and I'm just accepting it and like, <laughs> fuck it. But. Well, that's what I mean. What I, I yeah. Go for it. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah. No. Like, I mean, she was 29, 30. Right. When she wrote Twilight. She, uh, like... And she wrote the first book. And like one of the first things I was like, I was like, how can you write this? <laughs> like as, at that age, like, how can you write these characters this way? And that's not like, you know, to be a dick, like sincerely, like trying to understand like what had to be going on in her brain. And you're, we were sort of like cracking jokes about her, like being a Mormon. (laughs) Well, I think it's more important. Like it's, yeah, we joke about it, but like, it is a factor in terms of, yeah. I mean, you know, we've all met Mormons, right? I don't know, listeners, if you've met Mormons, but they tend not to be the most cool people. <laughs> I mean, the... there's no denying, though, that, like, she does call it, like, whether it was on purpose or not, and I can't say, I don't fucking know, but she does sort of really tap into that, uh, you know, teenage girl insecurity, really... Yeah. And you can like, speak to that better than me. I mean, I, that's the one thing I'm... Perfectly, and not, I'm not saying, like, in a way that makes the story better or something, but definitely in a way that successfully, I think, draws in a reader who is going to be, like, 17 or has any memory of being 17. And I think that, like, is probably a lot of what made it successful. I mean, obviously, the romance angle... And it wouldn't have been successful if it wasn't like the height of emo music, emo yeah. fashion, emo black nails, uh, big blow dried hair. She's different. Studded it's belts. It's cool when she's different. Yeah. Girls wearing their dad's bowling shirt, like <laughs> like we talked about She's last. weird. <laughs> like it was. He reads. Everybody wearing Chuck Taylors. Yeah. All of that, dude. Like, like was... the hipster thing was coming around. I mean, like, I know that that's existed as long as fucking time, right? But, like, you well, know, I guess every generation has a moment or something. And I, I that, that's a good point. Know, that leading up to hours. I think that's a good point because, like, it, tying in, I know we're talking about it music. All... 
What? It all kind of came into style to yeah. some degree. Yeah, and and I think, you know, we could talk about the history like it did. Like, okay, so indie rock was around since the 80s, right? Like, indie rock really started to become a thing. And then, like, emo definitely came out of, like, the hipster indie rock scene from the 90s, right? Like, emo definitely came yeah, out of that. Yeah, a little bit of, like, you and know, then, the wannabe punk rock kids. Right, but then emo became, like, the... The, the cool cultural thing for a few years like even green day like started doing yeah. like more of an emo an thing eyeliner. whereas they were more and i mean they still doing the pop punk but they were much more punk in the 90s before emo was a thing like, yeah like kind of well they were more like like my dad listened to green day until probably into like up until american idiot oh did he really like that was i mean i learned of Green Day because my dad had Dookie. Oh wow! <laughs> like, great album. Damn, dude, he is ahead of it. My parents were definitely not that cool in terms of music. My dad was pretty cool in terms of music. Yeah, my parents were boomer rock, so like my dad was all about. I like... mean, my dad was all that too, yeah. but he also, you know, which is great stuff. Like, I remember yeah. playing local natives for him, and he was like really into the drums on that on that album Gorilla Manor yeah I never liked local natives when they blew up for that like three years that they did but I knew I mean, that good. album that album is good and every once in a while they put out a hit but yeah they're not they're not all winners and they're nothing like super special yeah that was also past the peak nostalgia like music of my youth well, that's what I mean. And I think I was conflating those because this is such a part of it. Like, that's the whole reason I'm bringing any of this up. And we're talking about like albums on a book podcast now, like, because I think it is so ingrained into this series, this particular vampire series. There have been vampire series before. There have been vampire series since. This one is particularly tied in to the emo movement happening between 2004 and like 2010. All right. Like that is literally, this is, would not have existed if that was not a cultural moment for like that six years, you know? Yeah. I mean, and through this whole book, that was basically like an emo kid without the emo get up, which was the cool thing to be at the time. Yeah. Right. Like they went to hot topic and bought studded belts. Yeah, except she didn't, like, that's what I mean, like, she wasn't, <laughs> like, how would that have played out if she, like, we had an idea of Bella as, like, this girl who wore studded belts? It would be a little darker, or at least pretend to be a little darker. Probably... I don't know, like, I can't figure it out, because I feel like there's something missing from, like, every character in terms of, like, a any amount of depth and like you know i think that was the same problem with twilight i think it's the same problem with the movies i mean it's one of the many problems with the movies and the book like and again that doesn't detract from my enjoyment really i guess because i still need to read the next one even though i think i you know i read it long ago enough that i don't really actually remember right it's funny like i, I remember the big things like i remember that certain things happen but i don't actually remember and maybe it's because nothing happens i mean i feel compelled to, to 
to finish this and i know that i'm going to be disappointed like i know yeah and you are already disappointed every right. time but i i also like think there's something to like i watch shitty movies all the time and enjoy the shit out of it knowing full well that like oh this is bad and i'm like shitting on it the whole time and i'm like maybe that's like some fucked up problem with me which in that case it's a fucked up problem with a lot of people i don't know nah, nah, but like no. i mean it's like i hate watching anything like we all do it but also somehow i guess with the book it's different because there's some part of me that feels like a little bit connected and i think that might be just like you know i mean everything i've already said it's like the nostalgia and also you know those deep insecurities yeah and it's now that you bring that up this i kept thinking as uh, based on oh, and life, also all the shirtlessness the sh- that's the compelling for me the shirtlessness is also uh, compelling for yeah, me yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do have a whole thing. Uh, I took a few notes about the physiques. <laughs> I know that sounds, I know that sounds very homoerotic, but uh, I swear I'm not gay. No, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I did notice that because I remember that was a big thing. I remember reading interviews and stuff when this was the biggest thing in pop culture at the time, specifically with Taylor Lawton, right, and like the guys that played the wolves. Lautner. Lautner, whatever the fuck his name is. Again, I don't remember him because yeah. he's insignificant now. He doesn't matter. But I remember reading <laughs> interviews with them when this was like the biggest thing on the planet Earth. You couldn't go on social media or anything without seeing Twilight, uh, something. Twilight something. You know, and, and this was later after the series had yeah, been completed, yeah. so the movies were all popping out. You know, one after the other, making a fuckload of money. Everybody was going to see them. And I remember them talking about the workouts and the diets that they had to be on. And then in the later, and of course they don't say this in the interviews, but I'll talk about this when we get to later movies a little bit. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. This is a book podcast, so nobody's interested in this but me. And it's just like the amount of workouts that they had to do, the cutting, the competitions. Oh, like they said that they were working out three times a day and competing with each other who had the best body. Of course, then they get into like, you know, the kind of, steroid use that happens when you're an actor and you're Damn. supposed to have a good physique right like this is what happens that's fucked up okay they're never going to admit it but every actor that has yeah, a good physique yeah, is especially yeah. if they're in their 30s and 40s <clears throat> ryan reynolds <laughs> anybody yeah uh they're doing steroids okay like they're doing steroids like there's no way to achieve that as a man in your 40s even if you do a great I mean, diet and exercise without taking taylor lautner looks young as shit and he is right i think he was like, only like 15 or yeah, 16 he had well, 15 no 15 in the first movie he looked like he could be like 15 i mean he looks like a baby he has a fucking baby face and the hair makes it so much worse they give him that long hair like this is one thing i'm mad about like as a viewer they could have done me the service of just chopping it off at, at like the shoulder like at least like that'll keep him young looking but at least you know hot like it's not it's not flattering well, and I think, and it didn't, it didn't please me. <laughs> he is supposed to, if you go through the books, you know, he is supposed to be, you know, like fifteen shorter than Bella, and then in this next book, yeah. he's hitting puberty hard, so he's like shooting up to six foot six, yeah, and is, yeah, and is muscular Big and boy like, Jacob. yeah, and you know, he's getting the stuff you get as you mature as a man so his jawline's becoming more pronounced all the you're losing the baby fat essentially right like yeah he's a big boy yeah 
and he's still supposed to be. Bella refers to him as huge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed that. It's like, fuck yeah. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure as we continue this series, we're going to see more and more of the physique, like, like the framing of that. And there were some very specific parts where they were like specifically framing, like especially Jacob's body. Because he was always shirtless in, like, the movie. Yeah, fucking Eddie Cullen finally takes his shirt off in this movie, too. Did he take it off in Twilight at all? I don't Uh, recall if he did. He unbuttoned it in the movie. Like, he unbuttoned a shirt to show, like, the sparkling diamonds in the first movie. But I don't think he... uh... That part's lame. It is lame. It's not as sexy, either, as, like... No, it's never sexy. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to say this, but a dude with a full glitter bod. (laughs) And I guess it's supposed to be, like, otherworldly or something, but it doesn't do it for me. We talked about I mean, it's really, it's just a workaround, you know? It's really just, like, a workaround, so he doesn't, like... (laughs) Burst into flames. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> actually, he's just beautiful in the sun. Yeah, he looks like he a glitters jewel. like a diamond. Yeah. But you know, I mean, whatever. Yeah, and the way shit. I mean, so yeah, the the Jacob bod is pleasant. Um, in in the film, the Edward bod is pale but still pleasant. The pale is a problem. It looks like the dude is wearing lipstick, right. and it prevents some of the hot from being there. It just always looks like he's doing something weird with his face. Yeah, and this cry face is really bad. His like pain, in pain face is disappointing. And it's not like they make. Kristen Stewart incredible like very sexy or anything. She's still supposed to be like a kind of unsure teenager in this movie. Uh yeah. But a lot of still this girl next door vibe. Girl next door like, vibes, but they there's a lot of girl next door vibe. There's a lot of slow motion running of Bella in the second movie, I noticed. Uh, yeah. And I noticed I noticed that. Well, it looked as if Stewart probably wasn't wearing a bra. For most of it, so they were all trying to do this kind of like sex it up more in the movie, I think, yeah. kind of. Not that she's like incredibly busty, right? Like it's not like she's like flopping no, everywhere. Like, it's not but... that she just tits out. Right, know? yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. But like a little bit of like, ugh. like I noticed like in the very first scene when she's like slow motion. She's definitely it's, like... hotter. She's got less of a baby face. So right. has a real girl next door kind of vibe. Well, you know um, my opinion Jacob... is... Um... Bill was bringing this up and I laughed, but he was like, God, he just comes off like such a dweeb. <laughs> he's a terrible <laughs> actor. He's a, he's a terrible he, he actor. He does come off like a real fucking dweeb. Yeah. And he, and, and there's, I get, I get why they cast him and then they were kind of stuck with him. Right. Like kind of cause you cast him as like a 15 year old and then like, uh, you got to have him for these five movies and it's, it's, uh, he's a bad actor, uh, is he's part not, of the problem. I mean, wasn't he like. Shark Boy and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I remember that like weird Disney uh, Channel movie. 
I don't. I've never. I, I remember the title. It sounds familiar, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Or I was maybe too old or too. Like, I was too cool for Twilight at the time, dude. Like at least I thought I was. I mean, I was... I was too old for when this came out, but like I feel like I vaguely remember that being a thing that was like always on. And then I just recently, I think one of like the YouTube commentary channels that Bill watches, they like we'll go back over like these old Disney channel movies and how bad they are. I mean, they're very bad. That's great. I I was never a Disney channel kid because yeah, my wife will, yeah, my wife will bring that up all the time about how she was like a Disney channel kid. So she knows all those. It was so exciting to me when Disney channel became like a regular thing. Cause it used to be a thing that like we just got when we were like went on vacation. Yeah. You had to pay extra like cable packages to get it. Although I think that that used to not be the case. I think the Disney Channel used to just like be on like basic TV, and then like when cable became like the big thing, you had like had to pay extra for the Disney package. All right, so we haven't even talked about the book. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're like forty minutes. Well, in that's cool. Yeah, I mean, all right. Can all right. we just like skip over the preface? We get this preface. It's really I short. Dude, before the preface, dude, I was like Shakespeare quote. She's got Romeo and Juliet all over oh, this yeah, fucking thing, dude. There's a yeah, there's the Romeo and Juliet thing. These violent delights have violent ends. What Westworld? Okay, I was just thinking. I was like, wait a minute, who was using this quote all the time recently? And I was like, oh, that Westworld series, which I stopped watching yeah. after halfway through season yeah. two. Yeah, it got bad. It got over Yeah, it got way too convoluted. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't think it was very good before. It got really bad. It was just good enough to keep watching, but I liked the first season, but so bored. The reveals, yeah, the reveals in seasons. It was like always like thirty-five minutes of being bored and ten minutes of shit happening on either end of the episode. Yeah, it was. It's so. I think that that show got overwritten fast. Like it's like too complex for a TV show. Like it's like like, yeah, well, the show for the writers. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah, like you, you can write very complex, convoluted shit in novels where you're reading every detail and, like, figuring that out as you read. But for visual mediums like that, it just doesn't work. Like, there's a disconnect. Too much. Yeah. Way too much to follow. You have to simplify the storyline, yeah, and cut out some of the fat in order to make Not it work. a lot to follow here. But, all right, I'm, the Shakespeare I'm quote. A... And honestly, I was impressed that she went with Shakespeare this time and not the Bible, like the last book. Are you? I mean, I wasn't like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> but I was, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's a little bit of an improvement I mean, here, Stephanie. Yeah. There's a very heavy foreshadowing that I think comes with making use of Romeo and Juliet. It is. It and, is too much. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, you don't have to read into it, you know? You could just sort of be like, oh, which as they kiss, consume. Right? The whole quote is, these violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which as they kiss, kiss. I mean, even for like the last one, that you could just be like, oh, yeah, vampire. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, I think there is like a bit of a hefty foreshadowing that happens all throughout here, not necessarily like in the best way. I mean, it's a teen's book, so it's not like doing any sort of really fancy, like, you know, 
sly kind of references to Romeo and Juliet. It's all pretty just sort of spoken, you know, plainly. Yeah, we talked about, we talked about, yeah. We talked about that with uh, the Stephen King episode too, listeners. uh, Available at patreon.com slash heavyboard. There's uh, where he, uh, a lot of the pop writers do this. A lot of pop writers, they get really into the, the idea of foreshadowing and sometimes it's done really well and then it usually gets overdone. Like it laid, it's laid on so thick that it starts to become, uh, okay, we get it, bro. You know, <laughs> we get it. Like The thing with foreshadowing is like, once it's so much that you like really feel like you know what's going to happen next, it kind of loses. Right. So I mean, it's too much. Like yeah. the fun thing is when like you don't fully notice it. You're like, oh shit, right. that was foreshadowing that was happening before, you know? Right. It all clicks eventually while you're like, get to the end. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Because, like, if you're casually reading, you're not always going to pick up on it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's all always very heavy. And I mean, I say some of that, but also, obviously, like, I've, there's, you know, a memory of most of this book somewhere in my mind. So there were things that, like, I kind of remembered as they were happening. But there were things that, like, I wasn't sure of, and we'll, you know, like, the whole thing about Bella's delusions that we'll get to. So let's save that. That and the Shakespeare references. I get the Romeo and Juliet story, this love tragedy, but it is a little bit, you know, it's a little bit bold when a writer's like, I'm like Shakespeare, and it's like... uh... Yeah, it's not even like I'm like Shakespeare. It's like this story is like this story. It's not like she's trying to make this story like this story. And it's not like in the, you know, sort of way that you see in like, like pop movies that are just like fun and are trying to like redo Taming of the Shrew, but in a modern context without any really obvious, like it's just the same story as the Taming of the Shrew, but, you know, different, right? (laughs) right? Like. Like that one will fucking Amanda Bynes forever go. She's the man. Like, or, uh... She's the man. Yeah. That's the one. The so soccer my, one. My favorite modern one is the 10 things I hate about you. Is the. Uh, I mean, that's a great one. Yeah, that's yeah. probably the best modern one I've ever seen for like Taming of the Shrew adaptation. Yeah, yeah but, but that kind of thing. Like the, yeah. that's usually what it's trying to do, but I don't think that's really. I, like, I think that's what she's trying to do, but not in that way. And maybe, again, like, you know, eh, it's not like this is, I don't know, literary. Right. And it is just a nod to like, okay, this inspired me kind of thing. Right. So it's I'm not expecting much of it in terms of its, uh, you know, allusion to Shakespeare. (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I texted, I texted you about this, too, as I started reading it, um, you know, I was just through the first couple chapters. Okay, so there was that Shakespeare thing to start. And through the first couple chapters, I texted Sophie and was like, yeah, you can feel Meyer is much more confident with the second book. Granted, she had never written a book before when she wrote Twilight, right? You can just feel that she's a little bit more, that she's like more confident, is growing a little bit as a writer in this second book. Like she's more confident with kind of, and I think this is why this book has more action, and is like more, she's more willing to go there with certain things than to suppress 
like she was in the first book. And again, slight. Yeah. This is subtle. This isn't a huge thing, but it, I, I can, I feel like you, you can feel it. Like as you, like yeah, this is a more confident writer than who wrote the first book. And I imagine when I get yeah. to the third, it might be more confident too. And then you get to the fourth, it's probably more confident, you know. But yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious to read for that because I don't really, you know, I don't remember. It's little but, things. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. oh, this is a huge improvement, a real return to form. No, it's just you can feel that she's growing and is a little more confident in herself and her abilities now that she, because she'd already put out a huge hit book, right? Like, yeah. that's going to give anybody a little boost to like, oh, well, maybe I should make the vampires do this. Ah, fuck it, I will. I'm fuck, you know, like kind of thing. Like, you can feel that she's less questioning herself almost, like a confidence, like in in her own ability. And I think that you need that when to enjoy a book. If the author is insecure, you can feel it on every fucking page, <laughs> like where like you're reading it. But uh, so I saw like an improvement on that. All right. My first instance of like actual shit in the book. Bella admitting she wants to be a vampire. Yeah, dude. That was a big like what? Well, didn't that happen at the end of Twilight? Like, wasn't that, like... I don't remember. That was, like, her being, like, I, I yeah, she was, like, <laughs> I need to be like you. Uh, yeah, it's, like, so and subtle. Was like, yeah. I think. I think that's how it ended. I was kind of taken maybe back. Maybe it's not. I didn't maybe expect I'm, maybe it Maybe I'm all. just, they're blurring together to me. But right. I feel like it comes up at the end. Like, yeah, because they were, like, why didn't you, you just, like, you could just let it happen. Right, because right. she was gonna turn. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, the actual the ending to that does kind of imply, but I did say like for and me it was. And then the... she was like, "Why didn't you let it happen?" Like blah right. blah blah. And for this you know? one, I just said this was the first time that she just came right out and said it. Like page ten in this one, listeners. Page ten in New Moon. It was just like Bella's like, "I want to be a vampire, basically. Like I want to yeah. be turned." And it makes sense with the kind of Romeo and Juliet themes. It makes sense for the story, right? If you love each other and you want to be with each other forever, well, internal damnation, you know, <laughs> or like eternal life gives you what you want, essentially, right? That you, you can now be in love forever because you won't die. Forever. Yeah. The uh, thing I enjoy, though, is that, like, this all begins with Bella's anxiety about aging. Oh, right, the grandmother dream. Like, she has this dream that she's old. And she's still with Edward. And he's still 17 and beautiful. And she looks like her grandmother. And she's freaking out. So we open with her 18th birthday. And she's like, fuck. Now I'm older than you. <laughs> which, which is a trope in a lot of vampire kind of series, right? Like, I, yeah, vampires don't, don't age, and humans do, right? Um, but, yeah, also just, like, the whole aging anxiety, and, like, you won't want me anymore when, like, I'm old, and you're, you know, you. And so there seems to be a lot of that that feels like it's driving it at first much more than just, like, the, I want to be able to keep up with you, or I don't want you to have to protect me. Right. And I am kind of surprised it doesn't lean into this, like, I, this whole, like, I want to live forever thing. 
that also seems like very teenager. So like, there's part of me that like, I'm like, yeah, you could like let us into that sort of potentially taboo space in Bella's head and make her a little bit more real. But I guess the concern with that is that she looks bad maybe to the reader. Yeah, and this is where the foreshadowing starts coming in very heavy-handed too, right? Like the age metaphors, the Romeo and Juliet we already talked about. Just very heavy-handed. And, you know, I was just like kind of... <clears throat> is is heavy-handed foreshadowing... I was thinking to myself, like, is this a sign of insecurity as like a writer that you're not trusting your reader enough to know what you're getting at with just the more subtle foreshadowing, you know, or is it just, you know, she, this well, is only her, her second be, book being like, not more honest about like, like not having her be more, I don't know. She's pretty upfront about like the aging thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think there is that sort of, there's something in here that it's like, yeah, also like the living forever thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not that that's, like, necessary, but whatever. Yeah, we get that, but the big thing is it's her 18th birthday, right? We get the sense that they've been, like, hanging out for the last however long. It's her senior year of high school. Yeah, so we end the first book in the spring of her junior year, and then we start this next one in the fall of senior year kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, I don't really, I mean, you know, whatever, that's fine. That's just, you know, storytelling, whatever. But, like, what I want to talk about, the breakup. And I think this happens right at the end of chapter two, right? The breakup. Yeah. The breakup, listeners. Meyer has this thing where all the big events that are supposed to carry a lot of weight in the story don't. Yeah, well, speaking of that, maybe even before... Okay, so before we get there, yeah, I want to comment on something. Yeah, comment on Because uh, page 18, we get... They're talking about Romeo and Juliet. Page before, 18. Yeah. They're watching Romeo and Juliet before um, Bella goes to her own birthday party at the Cullens. And... Yeah, heavy, heavy foreshadowing around their discussion of Romeo's ease of suicide and how Edward would have killed himself had she died in the last book. So, foreshadowing there, then we talk about the vault. This is the first, I think, mention. Maybe it happens in the first book. But yeah, they talk get, about it in the first um, book. Well... One thing I noticed in the movie with this is they put a scene from the first book in the second movie, and that's that scene in Carlisle's study where Edward's showing her the portrait of the Volatari and Carlisle in it and explaining Carlisle's family history in the first book, Twilight. And then in the movie, they just add that scene in because they cut it out in the first book. So we have to add all this information about the Volatari into... You know, so that so that the watcher can understand, you know, the the movie viewer can yeah, yeah, watch yeah. and understand what uh, was happening. So there's that that they do in the movie, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's, so it's, they it's, just it's... tell us about this ancient family, this ancient vampire right. family that like rules the vampires, I guess, and lives in Italy and 
whatever. And like those are the people that you go to if you want to try to die as a vampire, I guess, which seems like kind of silly that that's the only way, but sure. So we get that, and that seems like it should be a bigger thing for something that doesn't get mentioned for like another 300 pages again. Yeah. I do wish they would have mattered a little bit more. The breakup. <laughs> the breakup. Yeah. Well, so the thing that occurs at the end of this chapter, right? I mean, fucking, she goes to her birthday party, and what happens? She gets a fucking paper cut opening a present. And this sets off Jasper, I guess, which in the movie is the vampire that always looks like he's shitting himself. We've got this weird, socially awkward, distant face. Just gotta get on that Metamucil game, dude. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and he, like, basically tries to attack because he smells her blood. And then we, and then we get the breakup. The dumping. Yeah, and the breakups... And I'll I'll talk, let's talk about the breakups between Bella and Edward, and then the kind of breakup between Bella and Jacob. Like, if we want to call that a breakup, let's I'll call it one. But it's like, like I said, it, it's a kind of common theme in these books that I've noticed, where it's like these events that are supposed to be carrying a lot of weight always fall a little flat in these, and the breakup is one where it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know what I mean? It doesn't. I but I also think that if you're like an emotional girl reading this, you're like, oh my god, how could we do that? I mean, like, because that's how yeah. I remember feeling. I mean, I was pissed, but I like I was so invested in it that I was just pissed at him. You know, I like I wasn't paying attention to how bad the book was. I wasn't noticing that right when I was reading it the first time, and I remember being like fucked up over it the thing that bothers me even more i think is how inconsequential of a moment the like jasper attacking her is and that that's how it happens after all this shit that happens in the first book at the end where she actually almost fucking dies he decides to stay and then she gets a paper cut and his bro is like oh shit i can't control myself they take him out of the room. Nothing fucking happens. She doesn't almost die in this case. And he's like, I gotta go. It's not safe. Right. I'm not good for you. I don't even want you. And you're like, oh, fuck, he's cruel. I wonder if Beauty and the Beast is a more apt comparison to this. Yeah, I guess for me it was just yeah, like I, I I found this in the movie too, like the way they do the scenes and I grant there's not a lot there. It just I guess it just wasn't enough for me. Like it just wasn't Yeah. Well, I mean that was me reading it like way back when. Now reading it it's just like <sighs> It also doesn't make sense that they break up and then like the whole family just leaves. It's so goofy. Yeah. The whole but... thing is goofy. It's fucking it lame. Served a, yeah. It served its... 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 It served its...
Yeah, I don't fucking know, dude. It's not good. It's fucking lame, dude. Yeah, the guy's just kind of like, eh. all right. But whatever, you know, go with it, right? And then after chapter three, where we get those pages that just list the month. Oh, you... my God. Yeah. I was waiting for you to put that up. Yeah. I forgot. I forgot all fucking about that. Yeah. What a cop out. That was like one of the first ones that I texted you about too. And I was like, oh man, I can't wait until you get to this moment. That was one of the corniest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, there are just pages that are like October, November, December. You finish chapter three. January. And then you just hit. Yeah, these blank pages with a month written on them. As if you're going through the calendar. And then we start in January again. And I was yeah. just like... Chapter four is called Waking Up. And it's like this really, really... Shit, hold up. You just cut out. Am I good? Yeah, it's back. What were you saying? Yeah, you get this really fucking dumb passage on the first page of chapter four. And then it's like the next page is like a new chapter, but without a, a chapter heading. Like the chapter's actually starting. Right. You get this passage that starts with time passes, even when it seems impossible. So, you know, really feeding into those emo girl sensibilities. Uh, our time is running out. <laughs> even yeah. when each tick of the second hand aches like the pulse of blood behind a bruise. I mean, it's so emo, dude. We didn't even talk about that yet. That was part of the whole emo craze too, right? The self-harm trend. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of that in this. Yeah. It was a big part of the... We haven't gotten to yet. It was a big part of the emo culture. People are going to pretend that that wasn't part of it, but that was part of it. Like, the fake, I want to kill myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, really just... Like, it's really just, like, being a teenager to the extreme... Yeah, but I just yeah. mean it was it was much more performative as part of the culture yeah. than than it was just like being a, a really seriously depressed teen that would do something like that. It was more of like the Marilyn Manson Nine Inch Nails aesthetic that kind it of was fashion. That yeah, that also blossomed into the the emo movement that happened. It's fashionable to be in pain. Yeah, well, it was fashionable to perform it too. Right, like it was fashionable to. You know, the, the cut my wrists and black my like eyes. A in yeah. yeah, cut my wrists and um, black my yeah. eyes. Yeah, like come on. Yeah, they kind of suck. They did suck, but they were one of the first <laughs> big emo breakthroughs too. Like, yeah, with that one song. But like either so. Yeah, that was all part of it. So I get this whole depression and stuff like that, and then we get like that kind of. You you talk about that weird paragraph jump in the fourth chapter. There's a cut. There's like two instances where the format's just a little inconsistent when she's doing these jumps in the same chapter. One where like there was like stars. You know how sometimes writers yeah. novels will do that kind of separate two sections with a little star or asterisk thing in between. She did that once, and then never again. And the rest of it just had like a space between. To show the shifting or the yeah, time jump. Yeah, she did that more in the first book, didn't she? Stars. 
I don't quite maybe honestly, not. I don't remember. Maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah, I remember the section jumps. And it's only so, yeah. once where she uses that kind of asterisk to do the section jump and then back to just spacing. But, you know, little things like that that make, you know, what's we talk about, this is a recurring theme on this podcast. The separation between pop and literary fiction and it, like these kind of little details may be part of it. But yeah, yeah. nothing I wanted to get super in depth with on that. All right, Edward's voice in Bella's head. Yeah. Oh, and mind you, before all of this, like the night before Edward <coughs> leaves, it seems like they really want to fuck. Before who leaves? Before Edward dumps her. Oh. It seems like they really want to fuck. Well, Bella definitely does. Well, they haven't had sex yet at this point. No. I guess they never technically have sex in this book in this series. What? <laughs> I don't want to give anything away. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, his cold penis. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> his cold throbbing dick. His ice cold erection. Uh, I wonder if it's extra hard. His body's all marble like. You mean like rigor mortis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also like, what's? Yeah, I wonder like if his whole body's just like solid rock you know <laughs> this is flaccid dick also like really solid i guess we'll have to do a little anecdotal testing dude no but uh edward's voice in bella's head edward's voice in bella's head yeah what did you oh, think of what this? did we yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think of it i was really you know i was confused uh there was part of me I was like, is this going to be something where, like, Edward can magically now get into her head? That's and, what I like, thought it was at first, yeah. Throughout, I really thought it was. Like, I was convinced that this was, like, actually something that Edward was, like, you know, that he was, like, actually aware of what was going on in her life in these moments. Um, but the first time it happens, the thing that I was most focused on was the fact that Bella's an asshole. Just a bad friend. <laughs> Just a shitty friend. Like, she invites this girl out to go to a movie... <clears throat> she doesn't really want to hang out with and doesn't really like and straight up says it in the book and she was like yeah i like angela better but she's too perceptive of my mood so i hang out with jess because she's a dumb bitch <laughs> basically it and then like they pass this group of dudes that like her friends clearly freaked out by you know they're like that most young women would probably be freaked out by these They're drunk like men outside of a bar. Drunk older dudes. Yeah. Which Cat the way calling. they do this in the movie, this scene in the movie is really stupid. But yeah, yeah and 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 like her friends calling to her, like, "What the fuck are you doing?" As Bella starts to like go toward them. Because she thinks that they're the same dudes that tried to like follow and I guess potentially like uh, attempt to sexually assault her right. yeah, <laughs> gang <first>. raper yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she's like I'm gonna go to them I need to know 
I need to know if they're the same dudes, which like it turns out that they aren't, I guess. Right, just some dudes outside of and a her bar. Friend's like, what the fuck are you doing? And is clearly bothered. Like it's clear like am I gonna have to call the cops? Yeah. doesn't want to that her friend doesn't want to see. Makes her see this movie, then doesn't sit through all of it. And it's like, yeah, okay, like she's depressed. <laughs> I don't know that I noticed this the first time I read it, but, like, she's a bad friend. Yeah. Like, and, you know, personally, we said, like, maybe you can't be when you're, like, that bummed out, but Jesus. Well, well, this is why it's I like brought you're... up the self-harm as as part of, that, of the culture at a time. Like, the self-harm is part of personality. You could say it kind of bled into our current, like, I mean, without emo, we, it was like a step we had to take to get to our current kind of obsession with, like, uh, victimhood, things like that, right? Like, this kind of obsession with, um, I'm going to hurt myself if you don't do this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be reckless and get on the back of this motorcycle with this strange man if you don't, if you don't come back here, Edward. I'm going to harm myself. Yeah. I'm going to put myself well, in she, danger. Like, knows she's being reckless. Like that's part of the point. Like, so after this moment, she like, hears Edward. And then we keep getting, like, we keep getting fellow, like doing these reckless things that she's calling reckless and stupid and knows that they're reckless and stupid and is doing it specifically. Like, because this is the only time she can imagine his voice clearly. Which is the thing that makes you think, I guess, that, like, it's actually happening and it's not just in her head, which we find out later it's not. Right. And so it's like, even though it would be kind of disappointing if it was in some way, it's more disappointing, I think, that it wasn't. One, because, like, one of the main characters of the first book is absent for most of the second He's only in most of the book. And he's like the most motivating (laughs) character to read for. Like, I mean, I guess I was really reading for Bella, but like, I remember being pissed. And it's stupid when he comes back, you know. But it's stupid the way he leaves. Like, so yeah, it would make it less painful somehow to know that like he is like still a part of the story for, I don't know, like the three or four hundred pages that he's missing from it in any like meaningful way yeah i was i wanted to say i didn't mind the fact that she was having his voice in her head but i minded it more when i found out it was just her imagination yeah that's what i'm saying like it's disappointing yeah it seemed more like a cheap trick when it wasn't actual communication between her and edward um, and by the way, the whole thing is like, oh, there's this deep conscious part of me that did know that actually you loved me. Uh, <laughs> like, and that's- yeah, dude. And I noticed this more so um, when Bella is kind of leading Jacob on for like 200 pages. And- oh, my God. I also thought she was a bitch for that, too. Right. That's when I noticed that she was... I was like, "Mm mm-mm. And they never make out. Right. I was like, Bella's always this perpetual, like... I don't know. I I said, like, 
not i don't want to say victim but like she's this perpetual kind of like which is again part of emo kind of the emo culture that was happening like crying about shit and like being like oh jacob's so good to me <laughs> like it's just it's <laughs> i love being around jacob and he's so nice and makes me feel good but but it's still but i don't i don't want to fuck him but but i'm still i'm still like it's not my fault like it's it's not um, I was just like, oh, what are you doing? Like, oh, this is annoying. All right, what, I marked page 280. <clears throat> Let me see. Uh, oh, man, I marked so many pages. Yeah, well, I didn't mark as much as I read through this book because, like I said last episode, we could beat this up structurally. We could beat this up in a literary framework. But, you know, that's easy. I don't really... I'd rather treat it as like a book than... Uh... Yeah, we've, we've said what we could say about that, yeah. Well, the whole thing is when she said, I cried myself to sleep over this boy. His harsh rejection had punched a painful new hole in what was left of my chest. And that was about Jacob, about Jacob changing, right? So Jacob's becoming a werewolf and they make it into this weird puberty thing where like you have to come of age to change into a werewolf. And then like she starts acting like Jacob did something wrong to her <laughs> because she cried herself to sleep like a couple times. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, oh my God, like you're so fucking like you're, this is very like, holy shit. What an annoying bitch. His Thank harsh you, rejection, you. his harsh rejection as you wouldn't let him hold your hand, as you wouldn't let him do anything. Well, when he like sort of already expressed his, Love. oh, so the yeah, so he had already expressed his love. Okay, so <laughs> up until this point, Jacob's like baby cut boy Jacob, you know, <laughs> and they like have clearly like this deep friendship, but also he wants to fuck. Many and... such cases, like, uh, <laughs> a, a teenage boys and teenage girls, yeah, and. Uh... God, what? Yeah, like a number of things have happened like before this moment where it's clear that like she was using him. Like she was using yeah. him. Like, well, first of all, and this I think is like worse in the movie too. Like she's clearly using him for like all of this shit and just happens to accidentally be like become really good friends with him. Well, because, and it's all yeah. in this sort of selfish, I feel better way. <laughs> Yeah. I feel better with you way. And he clearly like is into her and is like holding her hand. And then she's like, you know, they do that weird, like movie thing. And that's when he changes every time she sees him. He's like, she's like, you're bigger now. <laughs> Your skin's so hot. You're on fire right now. What's up with that? Um, and then suddenly, like, Jacob is like, I don't feel so good. I gotta go. And Mike was also sick at this movie. So they're like, oh, yeah, it's probably like a flu. Bella gets sick. I guess, like, Jacob ghosts her for a while because he's busy being a werewolf. <sighs> what happens? He, like, comes to tell her, basically, that she has to figure out that he's a werewolf. <laughs> Which is, like... The one good scene we get where he's, like, shirtless and he, like, crushes her 
body into his and it's hot. That scene in the movie is one of the things where I noticed the lighting, right? The lighting was definitely made to make the uh, the physique oh, yeah. the physique pop the physique when they hug. Yeah. It's popping. Well, it's very shadowed. He, look sick. he looked huge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you light physique, like that, I mean, lighting matters in terms of like, if you want, and I mean, the other thing people don't understand, even though he was young and like, he was, he wasn't as jacked as he was in later movies with like, uh, Taylor Lautner, but it was, I mean, this is like people, they don't, I mean, you don't think about it because literally it's Hollywood, right? It's the magic behind the fantasy type thing. But like, you know how dehydrated he probably was for that scene? Like he probably felt like shit, like, like to get that little low body fat. He seems like a really ripped nerd. Right. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) I just remember that scene and I remember, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, they have the lighting really good in this scene for, uh, and I was like, yeah, this guy is probably so dehydrated. His head is probably thriving, like throbbing as he's doing this scene with like Kristen Stewart. But this is also like when he takes over. You know, he becomes Edward 2.0, and this is when he becomes Daddy Jacob. Daddy Jacob? What do you mean? (laughs) Explain Daddy Jacob. He he shifts from being, like, he's younger than me, and we joke about our age difference, you know? And it's that, like, weird, like, he's younger than me, he's into me, it's whatever. It's like, oh, he's a tall boy now. Oh, he's so big he starts calling her honey like turns very daddy that's also where i was like okay so we're kind of repeating the plot of the first book right yeah but it kind of worked you know like there's a lot of breath also by the way gross in every context as far as i'm concerned but you have to do it here to understand the closeness i guess yeah and that is something like, but that's also one of the inconsistencies, right? Is that there's a lot of breath description in the close quarters, but then we also learn that like vampires don't breathe, but then also they breathe during these. <laughs> they don't need to breathe. Right, yeah, a little inconsistent, but yeah, whatever. I get it. You know, this is also uh, they smell things and need their sense of smell, so it's confusing. Right. But yeah, when we kind of the guessing if Jacob's a wolf and I was like, okay, this is exactly like last. And suddenly he's less like a little boy and he's more serious and Edward like. And he's more and now he's also a hothead, which is very different for Jacob up until now because he wasn't a hothead. That's a whole thing because the wolves are all hotheads now. Yeah. And then there's like. I mean, this was the whole thing where it's like, Jacob's my best friend, but all this other stuff. Jacob getting friend-zoned, dude. Jacob getting friend-zoned and, uh, and uh, having to uh, uh, curl his tail between his legs. The end of this one chapter, so the end of chapter, on page 299, what chapter is this? Chapter 12. And I think this is after he's like, they're guessing like his vamp his uh werewolf status where he's having her guess that chapter ends with this rhetorical question that just pissed me off because it was just another sign of like you could cut that way we don't need this delay on that heavy like the reader already understands the conflict where like it says the the werewolves had chosen a different path now 
what should I choose? Yeah, that's not needed. I was like, yo, just cut that line. Like, who is your editor? Like, cut that shit. Cut that line and just end it with the werewolves had chosen a different path. It's like, okay, that's enough. Like, trust your reader. Yeah, from from here on out, there's a lot of considering monster ethics, uh, debating whether... First, whether it's like, okay, because which, which monster is more believe, noble? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it ethical? Is yeah. it ethical to help the monster? Um, and then, like, <laughs> but there's this also this whole thing set up, right? The, um, there are these, like, giant, there's this giant bear out in the woods that people keep seeing, and it keeps, like, killing people. Right. We don't, so up. Till now, Bella just thinks that once she figures it out, she's like, oh, it's werewolves. Werewolves are killing people. So she is under the impression, which is stupid. <laughs> it feels stupid to some degree. Like, I don't know. I feel like that was something that was missing from the first book that needed to be in it, but I still think could have been better in this book. Yeah. You could like use... some element. We could use some element of murder mystery. Yeah, always helps. But, but th- again, that's not what you read this for, or that's not like what you know, seventeen-year-old me was reading this for. What do people read this for then? I guess it's we... essentially pornographic. Really? Well, that's the. Okay. I think that's what I was explaining before, right? Like right. it's just all of these girl fantasies. I mean, there's this moment. Like when uh, the thing that works is like in the moment when he's telling Bella that she needs to like figure it out. She needs to like figure out his secret that he can't tell. She now knows that he knows that Edward's a vampire and that all the Cullens are, by the way, like which is just bloodsuckers. Fun. Filthy bloodsuckers. Um. But in that moment, he's like, I need you. Right. I need you refreshed to, like, you know, any phrase that's going to, like, contain the words I need you from a dude to, like, a, you know, 17-year-old girl is going to be like, oh, yeah. Well, and we talked about this a little bit last episode when we talked about the first book. Like, what the female sensibility associates with sex in a text versus what the male associated it's not even like about like the sex it's about i i mean maybe it is but like well, there it's yeah good the... speak on it yeah dude i mean i assume it's the same way in which like dudes are super visual right right yeah just literally well, it's, yeah what triggers the associations and i get that's partly personal to almost everybody right but then also there's a little bit more universal to it to some extent i think there's a lot more i don't know there's a lot of mental shit yeah well that's what i mean and that's not and yeah maybe sex is the wrong word for i think there's like the romance fantasy okay right especially for like a teenage girl Right? right it's not just about like oh i got laid you know? Yeah, very big difference there. Which yeah. is very, very different for dudes. I feel like for dudes, it's like, getting laid. Right, it's high like, five. Falling so. in love, being everything. 
yeah, yeah. Being needed, being wanted. Going to the grocery store for Charlie. Being loved. Yeah. <laughs> Heating up fish for Charlie. Being protected. You know, it's all of these things. Like it doesn't. Right. And I think it like had it emphasized sex too much. Well, I think you're it right. It wouldn't have alienated readers, but it didn't need to be there. For and I do think it was probably smart to do that with an audience that was probably like, you know, sixteen and didn't want right. parents to be like, "No, you can't read that." Right. And there probably still were. I'm sure there were. I mean, dude, there were people that said Harry Potter was like the devil and shit when it came out. So yeah, of course, there's always going to be people that. But do like, that. there's. I mean, like, my big thing is, like, why don't they kiss? Like, why doesn't she kiss Jacob? You know? Like, that's what... Like, I don't crave much more than that from this book. And I don't... Like, that's it. I don't need them to have sex for this. I will eventually need them to have sex for this to continue. It cannot stay this way. Uh, a couple divided... Cannot stand. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, I mean, that's all it is. It's just, like, some weird, like, emotional, uh, vicarious experience. Which almost all books, right? You could make yeah. that argument. We could broaden like, it to all. I would say, especially yeah. with, like, teens. Teen right. books like and especially with these because like these characters are not fleshed out really well like they don't feel very real and that i think becomes ever more apparent when you watch the movies that they don't feel like real characters it, it's uh, interesting like, or they just they feel lacking yeah and we talked but about you that can just project you can project whatever you know right. fantasy went on to it and just play that game right and i think uh like that's, I mean, when you're like a teenager, like all like fucking people doing the Harry Potter thing and be like, which house would you be in? You know, like it's all about inserting yourself into that world. It's what a lot of fantasy is. I would say it's oh. maybe different for something like, you know, I mean, yeah, it's different for something like Game of Thrones that's maybe more directed toward adults. But I think for teens, it's really about putting them into the character. Well, I'll, I'll say this too, like this is, and we talked about this a little bit, we didn't say it explicitly, but there is like, this is a series, you know, people can get upset about, but like it was written and marketed to teen girls. Like that is what it was. Whereas something like Harry Potter was not exclusively. That's why it was, that's with who it was successful with. Right, you know? right. And this that's why this is much more like women were very into Twilight and like, Everybody was into Harry Potter. I just like distinctly like and that's like your a factor. parents could like in, get some enjoyment out of Harry Potter. Yeah, They're, the more yeah, that's what I mean. It wasn't less exclusively likely to find that with this. Yeah, it wasn't exclusively kind of a romance genre. It was more family friendly. Well, this is family friendly too. I mean, we talk about you know how sterilized the relationships, it, yeah, the sexual activity. You know, whatever. These are young adult books. But like it's not your dad's be... not gonna be like, oh, right. that's. Because it's not like the greatest tension again is like, will they, won't they stay together? Is and, he going to be like, I'm too dangerous and he's going to run off again? Like, you know, that's going to be the whole, like that. I mean, I, 
maybe not like you're able to stay with it and I don't you know, or maybe, dislike it. Like I don't. Yeah, like you're more into it, it yeah. than you know. Than I thought I would be. Maybe is, you know, I don't know. I guess even I like feel weird about that. You know, I was like, you know what? I'm fangirling for this right now, so we're just gonna lean into it. Like I enjoyed the shit out of this. I have been. I've said that already. There's a lot to be critical of. It's like not. I keep saying it's like not a good book, but clearly it's done something successfully, you know? Well, that's a, that's a good point. And we should clarify it right now for listeners. Like, and it makes me think of that Pauline Kael essay, Trash Art, where she talks about, we say it's a bad book, but we say that in the context of a literary book, right? So we're saying it's a bad book because it's not literary, but... That isn't the sole aim of the artistic endeavor of writing novels, right? Like, that isn't well, the sole like... aim. There are other aims, and this one is doing one of them. It's just not achieving that, oh, my God, There's this is... There's just something about it that feels like, I mean, okay, this is the wrong comparison to make. I I know that this is the wrong comparison to make, and I know that there's, like, some degree of this that doesn't line up. But it's almost, and maybe it puts pop fiction in a, in a bad light, but like it almost feels like critiquing, like giving a, like a really in-depth film critique of like a pornographic film. <laughs> Which is happening, dude. That's happening in grad schools all over the country. And, so, yeah. and that, but And like, so there are things that I can see like, oh my God, like, I remember when I was reading this, like my friend's sister-in-law who's, who's older than us and was, you know, like an adult while we were like at the later end of our teens, uh, super feminist, which like, you know, cool. I still not really up on that at this time. And her, you know, criticism was that, like, Bella's this character that's, like, she's always got to be saved. She's, that's why I was, like, oh, she's so clumsy. She can't, like, just exist, you know? She has to be saved. And she's painted as this character that, like, needs constant saving. And guys, like, are always treating her like she's, like, delicate and, like, can't fend for herself. And seemingly she can't, you know? Or, like, you know, right. seems to also think of herself that way to some degree, which isn't super great. I also think we mostly grow out of that. And that's, like, it's just part of, like, this girl fantasy of, like, needing to be needed and needing to, like, uh, desire. Like, it's the it's the savior fantasy. It's the hero fantasy. It's the princess. Prince, yeah, the princess, you know damsel in distress fantasy and i don't think you just sort of you know you can do all the have the whole gender conversation about that i'm sure and you know how it's you know we're socialized to feel this way about ourselves as women but also like you grow out of it i think or i i think you're you're touching on something though i think that is (laughs) That is one of the major conflicts. So it's, we could look at this through, yeah, like kind of like a college classroom feminist lens. We could, and you could make a lot of critiques about, sure, we've done it on this podcast before, but there's also 
the very real kind of thing inside I don't want to generalize too much but like kind of inside a lot of young women right and young men too I mean this isn't ex- like to, to like you said we could we could separate out sexes genders but like we don't have to but there is that kind of I want to be saved right like it's it's like and there's two things or I want to do the saving like I don't right. know what male fantasy is like at that age I assume it's far more it's, sexual it's all sex yeah <laughs> it is it is, it is. this girl's gonna touch my penis sexual. and for women I think yeah for girls I think it's like I want him to want to kiss me tenderly yeah hold my head and hold my hand yeah and take me out and like be nice to me and you know like it's a different i think it's just such a different thing like well it's because they treat those two things as if they they're they're not mutually exclusive like they are interlinked somewhat but i think when we do like kind of like a feminist lens on on books like this especially a character like bella it's just it's we're pretending that both things can't be true at the same time right like yeah maybe bella is a little bit too passive damsel in distress but like and you know we could argue that that's but she's different she yeah but like she there's also because there's that you can do both right like you can you can believe that yes you know this is taking away women's agency right but there's also but it's also touching on the very real (laughs) fantasy of yeah the princess hot girl you can be the girl that everyone wants at school you can also be the weirdo you can be different you can be the smart girl you can be the girl hangs out with monsters and listens to rock. Like, you know, it's just like, it's every. Oh, you my arms. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just want you to. Yeah, it's a good fucking song. It's fucking great, dude. Like, I put that on when you sent me that. That he sent me that acknowledgement. So I was yeah. like, you know what? I haven't listened to Muse in a while, and they haven't dropped an album since like 2008. So like, I put that on. I was like, oh, on this is Muse every great. once in a while. <laughs> this is a great He'll track. Muse on dude. his iPod. Yeah, I guess on his iPhone. That's a great track, That's a great fucking track, man. Like, it holds up. Not everything holds yeah. up 10 years later. This thing fucking that song holds up. Yeah. Starlight. But uh but you you are like that's what I like it is this conflict and it's a very real conflict and it doesn't negate the feminist well, critique. Especially when you don't fucking know who you are because you're right. a fucking 17-year-old. But I just mean like both and are I valid. Think, I think that's fucking fine. You know? well, yeah, exactly. Like I think both it's fine. are like, I think you and I think yeah, they're both totally valid. Right. Like it, it, and in all of those ways, this isn't a good book, and it's also still plenty enough compelling for me to want to read it. Exactly, and it was yeah. certainly tapping into all of the things that I wanted it to when I was reading it for the first time. And, this is and where... also, there's that like very hot part that's also very cringe when Bella is like, "What's tempting you more, my blood or my body?" Ooh, yeah, that is cringe there are a lot of cringe moments it's cringe but and if Kristen stewart said that end. to me i would be like uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah there there is that level of it too but yeah you're right like both are valid like we could we could go and it, this would made me think of that pauline kale essay so trash art where she talks about how like just because something like twilight which we would call not high-minded art 
gives us pleasure, like a candy bar gives us pleasure, doesn't mean we have to fit it into these frameworks, right? Like it doesn't, it can just be that. It can just be a good piece of trash art that we enjoy. It doesn't have to be forced into these frameworks of like, well, it's not a good book because it doesn't do this high-minded, like, or it's not a this as we start applying all these high-minded critiques to it. Like, yeah, and she just talks you go about for enough school. I think there's an element of shame that's like supposed to be around it that I think you also probably grow out of a lot of once you're out of that world. Dude, that's I think a lot of people do. I'm glad you brought that up because this is a constant theme on heavy board about being shamed into reading. And this is, this is a different type of shame, but it's, it exists and it exists very much in the high minded kind of academic world, right? Like this kind of, <clears throat> Oh, you read that. Oh, you, oh, read, you that? read those mom thriller books. Oh, That's right. Nice. Yeah. It's good that you read, <laughs> you right. know, or it's, it's or that. But it's like, yeah, fucking it is good right. that you read, like have fun. Exactly. Like, yeah. You don't have to feel all that shame because you were like, I mean, it's different we, if you're like, I guess, an English major and you're like, I need to be well read to feel like not a piece of shit. And that's a whole other world of neuroticism. But yeah, you don't. I feel like there's this fucked up thing that, you know, you have to pretend that you're not going to be interested in reading The Hunger Games. Right. Because you, I don't know, want to write like you, you only read literary shit. Well. It's a, it's, it's a judgment. It's a, it's also a like, well, you're less than, right? It makes people feel better about themselves to say, well, I only Well, they're going to judge your taste. That, which you can judge. You, like, hold it on some, like... We're pro-judgment. Yeah. people that will, like, hold those things. At the... I don't know. Like, I have yeah. a lot of conflicting feelings about this. Yeah, I mean, which is normal. Like, like and again, listeners, this is, we're, this podcast is pro-judgment. Like, we're pro... Yeah, we're very judgmental. Making so... a judgment. But don't hide away from that judgment with like, well, that's low minded, right? Like, yeah, like that's not a reason to be judgmental. Like you can be judgmental. It's just not a good reason to be, I, I don't know. This is why I just think of like a like trash art is one thing. This kind of low brow, like Pauline Kale calls it a candy bar, right? Like we enjoy trash art. Like we enjoy eating the Snickers bar. Okay. Junk, Junk food, but it's more, but, it, but you know there's nothing wrong with that not right? without, <laughs> yeah like not without its nutritional benefits right yeah, not without its nutritional <laughs> benefits but you should probably eat joy yeah but there is this shame right there and then there's this level of superiority especially when we get towards the academic side of things it's like okay being well read right i like this book and you like that book therefore i'm better than you right or i'm smarter or, than well you, it's more like I'm... oh you didn't judge that book to be not good right. in this framework and it's not that you don't, you can understand that it's not, you know, well written. Right. And, and still, you know, ha like you can have a different taste for like a literary novel, but like this, like these are books that are like 600 pages long that you know, we'll read in three days and then I'll spend two weeks reading of you know 200 page virginia wolf novel yeah it's like a really different like kind of turning off your brain a little bit reading it's more like watching tv well and those those two contradictions so like the, some people would argue that you can't do both but like you know we of course we can why can't we right like why can't we have both do both in, what well like have judge it and enjoy it well understand it for what it is and still have that kind of oh, yeah. 
same thing with the with the what we were talking about like the kind of what 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 a feminist critique of this would be or at least a feminist critique of the bella character you can have that and it's a contradiction of well bella's just a teenage girl but you can have both contradictions in your head at the same time because i mean it's a fucking book people like it's not uh it's a fucking fictional story like we can have contradictory thoughts about the same thing in our head at the same time and like both can be correct kind of you know like both can be valid not necessarily correct because their opinions on books but like you know yeah anyway i don't want to remember get too when down. jacob says i'm so mad i could spit <laughs> i do Those remember that very ones. distinctly and being like oh cringe fuck i gotta pee hold up all this goddamn coffee so mad I could spit. All oh, this damn coffee. Yeah, when Jacob says he's so mad he could spit, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> this sucks. I love it. Alright. Um The only other thing I would talk about in terms of the book is the final confrontation between Ed and Edward and Jacob. Hang on. Um This is the moment when I was like, he's daddy Jacob now. What page? It's uh, I'm on 308. It's 308 and 309. I threw my arms around him. It reminded me of that first day with the motorcycles. He was bigger, though. And I felt even more like a child now. <sighs> and then he starts calling her honey. And I was like, yeah, he's Daddy Jacob now. He's a big boy. He's Daddy Jacob. He's calling her honey. She's a little girl. Yeah, it's a whole weird dynamic. Or his character suddenly shifts. Yeah. And suddenly he starts talking like he's older than her. So I just thought that was kind of weird. But that's what I meant by that. Yeah. Honey. Bella, honey. (laughs) Bella, honey. He released me, lifting his other hand to brush his fingertips along my cheek, trailing them down to my jaw. I could feel his boner tremble. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not with anger this time. (laughs) Yeah, this is another moment when they're about to kiss, but don't. There are a number of those. Really difficult for me. Really wanted it. And I wasn't even, like, big on Jacob, you know? Because it's very clear that that's never going to be the final solution. I didn't mean final solution in that way. I feel like that was the wrong phrase. I don't mean it in the Hitler way. Yeah, I think your mic switched again. God fucking damn it, dude. I didn't mean the final solution. I just mean the final outcome. It's not going to be the final outcome. We're switching devices now. Okay, we're back. Yeah, that's much better, yeah. What was I saying? Jacob, Daddy Jacob. Daddy Jacob. Yeah, they don't make out. I wanted them to make out. They came much closer to making out, it felt like, in the movie. I was like, come on. Give me that. Give me that tension. I want it to be messier. 
Make it more complicated. And it would have been more complicated if they were making out and like doing that regularly and Edward comes back type thing. Like it would have made it, elevated it a little bit more than just, well, we talked and we flirted and like held hands a little bit. And clearly like I love him, but not in that way. Right. Because like clearly like come on, like come the fuck on. She calls him beautiful. He's ripped. He's like six, five. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he's got like bad hot breath, that could be really bad. That werewolf but, like, breath. Come on, she's like she's eighteen, sitting in the car with Daddy Jacob, not making out. Yeah. Pissing me off. They're like cuddling, you know. Like yeah, whatever. If you're cuddling, you're probably also making out. I just want you to hold. Yeah. Yeah, so she uses him. That pisses me off. She doesn't make out with him. Also pisses me off. Like, if you're going to use him, like, do it all the way. Yeah, very much, very much. All right. <clears throat> Final confrontation between Edward so, and Jacob. Or do you want to hit the voluntary? I mean, we just have to say how this happens. So, like, that was stupid, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's the Romeo thing. Like, oh, he thinks that Bella's dead. So we all think that Bella, like, she's cliff jumping, but, like, Alice sees that she jumps off a cliff and doesn't see her come out. So she must be dead. The thing that really got me here is, like, how they see, like, Bella sees Carlisle's car. Right. But Alice had flown. <laughs> Alice, right. Alice had gotten on a plane to come see Bella, like, very urgently. I was like, how do you... Like, I guess it doesn't matter. I'm just willing to overlook this. It's not a big thing, but it was weird. I was thinking about that in the movie, too. I was like, what? Trash art. Yeah. <laughs> we can get our pleasure from it, but let's not confuse oh, yeah. it for what it is. Yeah. It's so, like... That that's the main thing, right? So Edward's gonna kill himself by going to Italy and getting, you know, the vampire monarchy to rip him apart. And Alice is like, we have to stop him. The only way to do it is for me to take you to Italy. (laughs) (laughs) He has to see you. He won't believe me. They also like, <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I think um, the part where like Carlisle, they think that Carlisle has just called. Oh, right, right, right. To find out if Bella is alive. I was glad that they cut that out of the movie and they yeah. just like, it was just Edward. Well, it was Edward the disguised as Carlisle the whole yeah. time. Edward disguises Carlisle. He said he was Carlisle. You learned Jacob that. Jacob answers the phone. He's like, <coughs> Charlie's not here. He's he's at the funeral because his friend just died, but he didn't say that. So Edward thinks it's Bella who's dead. <sighs> yeah, it's like, whatever. It's just convoluted enough, I guess. And if thinking about it right now in terms of logical, right, like Alice could only see possibilities, like if she knew that they're decisions, but like 
Bella hadn't made the decision to kill herself, but somehow Alice's vision convinced everyone that, it, again, it, it kind of makes the logic and of that Alice's... she also didn't see the two vampires that, like, they, that were hunting Bella right. throughout this. So, like, those two vampires that weren't dead from the last book that the that were actually like the cause of all these murders that they were all of these. And like, that's why, you know, we have wolves now because these vampires are around. Yeah. There's a little bit of mystery towards that. It's like, they act like the werewolf thing is like a new thing that well, nobody knows how yeah. to deal with. And even the elders don't know how to deal with. And, or, well, they do, but it's just like there's something mentioned about the werewolves coming in cycles. And right, I think yeah. maybe and the, the bloodlines kind of does an okay job of dealing with that and being like, you know, when there's like a threat, that's when the fever sets in, is what if, he calls it. Yeah, when you come of age, you get the fever, but it's like also has to do with your bloodlines. Like if you yeah. were part of the chiefs that were descended from the chiefs of the tribe kind of thing or the elders of the tribes <clears throat> you were able to i don't know you had to have the right bloodline to be able to do this and all that kind of shit yeah there could have been a little more lore it was just a yeah and i mean we talked about that in the first one too is a lot of the lore was like missed opportunities and i think that's because you know she was a new writer she was just starting this kind of uh. thing had no idea that it would blow up into this huge thing. So, you know. Whatever, and also, right? like, that's not that's not what I was reading it for when I was 17. Right, exactly, yeah. Logical Like, I was the most bored during those moments when I was 17, because that's not what I was reading for. What were you reading for? How many times do I have to say it, man? Yeah. It's just that hot, hot talking. talking all right do you want to move to the the yeah, man. edward jacob final conversation oh, or do you want to hit anything before we i hit mean back? the things that i want to say is just one thing that really fucking bothered me in the book that wasn't in the movie was that when bella gets to edward and prevents him from revealing himself to humans as a vampire and, like, trying to kill himself, whatever. He does this whole, oh, I must be dead. I'm dead, right? Because you're here. I must be dead. Oh, right, yeah. Like, he's doing this really dumb thing, and it was so fucking annoying. I found that so frustrating. And I found it frustrating again when Bella did exactly the same thing when he was still there the next day. When Bella was like, how are, I'm still dreaming, right? Right. Or I must have died. I must have actually drowned and none of this happened. It just didn't feel, it didn't feel real at all. It felt so silly. Yeah. Especially with Edward. It felt the silliest with Edward. Yeah. It was, and I want to get into that when we hit the movie too, like this kind of, like how that kind of got screwed up in the movie too, but like. I was a little kind of my question about the final confrontation between Edward and Jacob was what are we supposed to make of this? <laughs> uh, oh. He wants to talk to me, Edward says. And they talk to each other. And 
Well, isn't... Well, what do you mean he wants to talk to me? When was that? I don't remember it. It's at the end. They're back from Italy. The kind of main confrontation is over in oh, the book. Oh, yeah. But and then Bella Jacob and with... Edward have this kind of confrontation in the woods. Yeah, but isn't Bella there? Bella's yeah, Bella's there. there. Yeah, Bella's there for it. They have a confrontation. I mean, the whole confrontation is that, like... <laughs> well, first of all... Bella has just proposed that she should be turned because this whole thing happened with the Volturi, right? They pr- basically say, like, you can't have a human. We have to kill her. You can't have a human that knows. Right. And they're like, no, we'll turn her. Or Alice is like, no, she's going to be one of us. It's fine. And they're like, okay, well, if you keep your promise, then it's fine. Totally uneventful. Really <laughs> stupid. More needed to happen there. Like, it's like they go to these, like, crazy psycho vampire monarchs that are supposed to be, like, crazy deadly. And nothing more happens than just them talking it out, really. Yeah. Um, but after all of that, Bella goes to, like, Edward's family and is like, well, are you going to do it? Like, or are we just going to hide me from the Volturi? Because that's stupid. And basically, she, you know, they sort of vote that, yes, you should become a vampire as a collective. And then Jacob turns up to be like, by the way, it's not just if you kill a human, it's if you bite a human. So if you change Bella, we will kill you. We'll destroy you, is what that final thing was, or is how I read it. Yeah. Also, this whole thing is like, <laughs> that's also, this is before, after, I don't remember. This is like after it's like the very Edward. End. Yeah. yeah, so Edward has already proposed to Bella. He's like, this is my condition. If you want me to be the one to change you, marry me. Right. And she's like, what? <laughs> And she's not, like, excited. She's not, like, pleased that he's, like, yeah, well, I'll be with you forever. I'm promising myself to you, basically. Which has been her entire fear through all of the first two books. She's prepared to become a vampire, to be with him forever, but not to also marry him. Uh. Which I find confusing, but I guess also makes sense if, like, you, if I was like reading this as a seventeen-year-old, I would be like, "Vampire, yes; marriage, no." You know, <laughs> like that. So, like in that way, I guess it makes sense. But it was like now it does not. <laughs> and then, like Edward not letting Bella touch Jacob. Yeah. Also, the the motorcycle thing. I was like, "Damn, damn, Jacob." Oh, right, they don't put that in the movie, but then, like, yeah, the the Jacob's trying to get her in trouble. Yeah, he drops off her motorcycle and leaves it in the driveway or something, so Charlie will ground her. And now Eddie can read Jacob's mind, so he's like, oh, well, he was just hoping that he, you know, that that would keep you away from me for a while. He was like, I had to try. Yeah. And it's so funny because he does sort of seem like a silly little boy <laughs> in those moments. They do sort of make him seem that way. 
Right. There is that moment of sympathy, and it's kind of dumb that they have him change into a wolf at the end. And this is in the movie, because he doesn't change into a wolf at the end in the book with, like, the final kind of confrontation with him and Edward. Right? But, like, in the movie, they have him morph into a into a wolf, and then they have him kind of be, like, sad-eyed dog, kind of. It's like, ah, that would have hit harder if he was human form and had the little tear up and then ran away kind of thing. And it would have made him seem much more, like you said, like a little boy who kind of doesn't understand, kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, throughout the book, if and most of the movie, I feel like Jacob is easier to sort of sympathize with just because you're so frustrated with Edward's bullshit at this point of being right. like, I'm not good for you. Like yeah. it's, we've hit that a little too hard and also doesn't quite make sense after her actual run in with like a, you know, life threatening situation. Right. Last book. So, but also in the movie, uh, the thing <laughs> when Jacob gets mad at the movie theater, when he freaks out at Mike is so goofy in the movie. Yeah. Which that isn't in the book. They make him be like a little tense, but he's not. Yeah, like, they're he's It's like not that just, goofy. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like he also isn't feeling well. Like he right. might be nauseous or something, but he doesn't like rage out, which seemed so strange and out of just really poorly acted, <laughs> and it was. But it was also like poorly written. It wasn't good. But I have Bella just hop on this guy's motorcycle in that one scene in Port Angeles when she's with Jess at the movies, too. Yeah. When she's, like, pretending to not be depressed. When she first hears Edward's voice, she just gets on this guy's motorcycle. Which isn't in the book. And they, like, drive around the block. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Bella's screams after... Edward dumps her in the movie. Kristen Stewart lets out these like heartbroken screams that when I heard it the first time, I laughed. And I tried really hard to like put myself in it, like to be more <laughs> yeah. forgiving of it. But it was so goofy. Yeah, it the nightmares. So the nightmare screams too were a little they were laid on pretty thick in the movie like we didn't we only needed to see it twice and yet we saw it like five times like her waking up screaming all of her her i've been dumped screams though her i'm broken screams were so fucking i mean all right well this all right like yeah this is a good thing to segue into the movie here because we're already talking about it but well, just, I, yeah. Just based off I'm the right book, now. my last couple of questions was like, are we supposed to think of Bella as annoying? Dude, I, I don't think so. Like, I think we're, I think we're supposed to identify with Bella, but she is fucking annoying a little bit, right? Yeah, and I mean, teenagers are. I mean, so is Edward. Yeah. Forever he's been teenager. a teenager for yeah. lots of years, you know. And he's an emo teen now in the early 2000s so he's like you know he was so emo he was extra emo in this and his face was extra weird yeah, and yeah. extra lipstick yeah, yeah, yeah and then my other question was so I, I mean i guess you could make an argument but like is bella leading on all these men and not just jacob and edward but like what's his name mike uh um, I think she really shuts him down pretty good. 
Yeah, she does. And enough, and enough, you know? Right. Frequently enough, I think. But I think, yeah, I don't know. The way she treats people is not great. I think that with Jessica, especially. And at a point and in someone the book, who she doesn't even like. Right. Which is maybe honest to how girls are to some degree. Yeah. But she also, there's also a person that she likes more that she chooses not to hang out with, which seems weird. Jacob, I think she is being an asshole. I think she would have, I think what would have saved it is if they like, if Stephanie Meyer just like let her kind of fall in love with Jacob a little bit and then walk it back. Like yeah. if, which she does, but like, come on, let them kiss. Like, I think that would have helped. And I think in the books, there's actually a part where she does kind of admit in the narration that she's leading Jacob on or that Billy yeah. kind of knows, understands Jacob's dad in the series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of is aware that this pretty girl is just kind of toying with her son. Touring with his son, rather. But, uh... Well, and at first she is, and they do seem make it seem more, even more like that in the movie, I think, when she just straight up... I mean, first of all, she goes and seeks out these motorcycles because... What, like, she only takes them because she thinks that Jake will fix them. Right. Like, <clears throat> she's only hanging... I mean, like, the way that she, it's framed is, like, I feel better when... I'm around him. So on the one hand, it it seems like selfish and kind of fucked up, but like very teenager, like, oh, I'm trying to patch up this hole that Sky left. <laughs> there also is like that hand holding moment where she's like, I think it means something different to you than it does to me. So like there's an awareness, like he's right. aware that she's still like, in pain and they make reference to that a lot but there's also that moment when he's about to kiss her and she's like no i hadn't decided yet I made a choice yet so like dude just like let it happen like i wish that that had just happened i don't know why maybe it's like this little girl inside of me that's like kiss 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 yeah you know i will say and i texted you about this that you when watching that movie you can tell that like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson were fucking because like they just have great chemistry together. Great chemistry. He still makes the dumbest fucking faces in that movie. He does. And I I was thinking about that because Sophie and I were talking about this a little bit. Is it just because he was fresh, you know, or maybe like maybe he had fake teeth in or something. I couldn't tell if he had some kind of like teeth thing going on. The makeup is bad. It really doesn't help. It's one thing to make him pale. It's another thing to make him pale and also make his lips look like almost metallic. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, Pattinson is a much better actor than like all the other at main characters in the, in the movie series that were cast. But, but his character is written really poorly yes. in the book and in the movie. Yes. Like, and there's too much emo and not enough charm. Yeah, and, and I, I think noticed... we get a little more of that in the first book. Is a little more charm in that in that scene in the movie in particular when they're breaking up. So like the first fifteen twenty minutes when they're in the woods and he's telling her that he has to leave or whatever to keep her safe. His lines and even Stort's lines they're very bad lines, yeah. but 
Pattinson does everything he can with him, I think. Like, he does make the delivery <clears throat> more like a, a kind of well-trained actor would as opposed to just, like, trying to make it sound natural or something, you know? Uh, and I was thinking this, yeah. too, because Stuart, although I, I mean, listeners will know by now, yeah, I have a thing for Kristen Stuart, but, like, I can objectionally say she's not the best actress. Um, like, uh, she's not the best, you know, actor uh she's fine right but she's not yes. like you know great actress or anything like that and i was thinking i was like okay because bella is kind of a tough character to play well yeah but also like i mean they both are i think maybe bella has like a little more a little more going on like right. we don't know we get nothing from edward except that he's hot he plays piano He's kind of brooding and maybe a little snarky, but like that's pretty much like, and is definitely like crazy overprotective and like maybe to the point of like a personality disorder. I don't fucking know. They both kind of are. And that's what I noticed too. Like my but, note in that scene for where they're like breaking up and leaving. I was like, yeah, you know, this scene is just as awkward and strange as it is in the book. Cause it's a very yeah. strange rationale. That's like, Hey, used to justify it and it's just not enough there like there's not enough meat on the plate yeah. when you're like trying to explain this huge catastrophic thing whereas this love that just got conquered like not even got con like literally won the day their love for each other won the day in the last book and then within the first three chapters there's like this really kind of unbelievable awkward strange kind of i can't be with you and it's like hold on like yeah, and Bella didn't even get, like, fucked up so bad, you know? Like, this was the most minor of incidents. And it's just, like, one of those things where, like, it goes back to that. Like, that first moment wasn't enough to carry what came after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Like, it, that wasn't enough of an incident to make sense. Right. And I think that's just a meat and potatoes. Maybe it's supposed to be like some element of surprise thing. Like we're supposed to be shocked that it happens. Right. And like, I think I was really surprised that it happened. Did, uh, but like, yeah, that was the whole tension of the first book is, will they, will he leave her? And that's the first thing that happens in the second book, yeah. which seems unbelievable. And that's also, but like, then that's also like somehow his thing at the end is like, I can't believe you believed me, which goes back to this weird fucked up gaslighting thing that he seems to do a lot. Yeah. I told you I didn't love you, but you weren't supposed to believe me. I expected to have to convince you of it. <laughs> Why don't you think you're lovable? Except for the fact that I tell you that, you know, it's like this constant back and forth of like him gaslighting her and then being like but you should understand yeah that you're perfect <laughs> and then him being like i need to leave <laughs> did you notice that um they put the months section in the movie no you didn't see that scene where she's sitting in the window and it's raining in washington and like the camera's kind of doing a 360 around her and they just have the months flash up on the screen every time it makes a full 360. Wow. No, and it's like, I was probably making the coffee. Yeah. So they put those. Because Bill those... kept being like, okay, I'm starting it. Are you ready? I was like, I'm going to make a coffee. And he was like, I'm starting it while you're making a fucking coffee. <sighs> but they he put the months in there, dude. <laughs> yeah. This was our, 
activity. And we talked, we already mentioned this, but that's the thing, right? Like this was exclusively marketed to young girls and the only men that consumed this were because young girls made them, right? Like young girls they were interested in. Because that was the way to get them on a date to the movies Right, exactly, yeah. Forced to watch the movie, forced to do that, right? Like forced to read the books, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I did notice those months in there, dude. And I was like, oh, they put the months in there. They put that corny shit in there. They did it better in the movie because it works better in a movie. It was still bad. Yeah, it was still bad, but the way they did the camera. Yeah, at the same time, I didn't want to sit. I mean, that's so much of Bella wallowing. Yeah. It was literally her crying. What was was it like at school? You know, like it just all seems really. I don't fucking know. Yeah. There was just yeah, I noticed they also like the wolf girl, the one that's like engaged. Uh Emily. You didn't talk about that. Yeah, Emily. Who's like got like abused by her wolf husband or whatever the <laughs> slashed her fucking body. By accident. Yeah. They really make it sound like she's really badly fucked up looking on half of her face and the other half is beautiful she didn't right. look that bad in the movie yeah i was like expecting her to be more fucked up it's the same type of thing right like there's there's some things that if you showed like how ugly it, it could be in a movie it's almost hard to look at like i always think like Tyrion lannister in game of thrones like in the books yeah. he's supposed to be supposed much to be really much uglier up. And he's supposed to have like lost half his face in that battle, yeah. um, the Battle of the Blackwater there. Yeah. And they don't they leave all that out because otherwise it would just be like a hideous creature to look at. Like you yeah. like every time he comes on screen, he's missing his nose and like you know half his chin or something is supposed to be like clopped off by an axe during that scene. So I understand why visually, you know, we don't want to see too much horrific shit, you know. Or it becomes a horror genre pretty quickly, kind of. Although this, you know, this this works the line because it is vampires and werewolves. But yeah, the movie was pretty goofy. There wasn't a lot of chemistry between Bella and Jacob. Yeah, and that too because that's another. Yeah, you could tell that Stuart and Pattinson were fucking at the time because it is like also like he like felt younger. Yeah, and I mean, he's supposed to, right? He's supposed yeah. to be younger than her. But at some point, he no longer feels younger, right. like in the book. At some point, he becomes... Yeah. Becomes Daddy Jacob. There, it's that's, that's a strange thing, too, right? Because like, actors are meant to pretend, right? Like They're meant to pretend yeah. this kind of stuff. But you can always kind of see it, like when they're fucking each other. Like There is that added level of... Yeah. These guys have something between like these two characters, these two actors are really working off each other's vibes. Well, of course, because they fucked each other. Like they're fucking like they know each other's you know, it changes of voice and like in- intuitions and and yeah. Yeah, the thing so one of the first things I noticed like when um like early on like when Bella just shows up at school and fucking Jacob just comes walking out of the woods like, "Hey guys." <laughs> <laughs> I drove an hour from the reservation just to come, yeah. <laughs> come say hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm not staying for school, and I go to my own school, but <laughs> I just want to see so, Bella. Just want to say happy birthday. 
Yeah. That... It's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you weren't even really friends, like, that we're aware of. Like, you weren't, like, close pals. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one, one thing I did. They tried to make the werewolves more important. When you look at that, that first movie, they did a pretty decent job. Melissa Rosenberg, the screenwriter, she wrote the second movie, too. I haven't looked up the third yet because we haven't gotten there yet. But I'm sh- I would imagine she probably wrote all the screenplays if because she, she made it work, that first one. They added more, and then in this one, they kind of left out too much about the werewolves, I think. Because, like, you know, this is, like, this building conflict and, like, the the drama. So, like... Yeah, I think it was almost they could have done more, especially with Sam, like leading the werewolves kind of like he yeah. was he was brought in, but he was much more insignificant in the movie than he was in the books. Like he was yeah. much more significant. And that was an opportunity, too, because, right, like if they made Sam appear scary and daunting and his cult and then Jacob's change is realizing that Sam is actually a good guy and is not trying to harm these young boys, he's trying to help them type thing. That's that's a big drama, dramatic like kind of you know change in a character and in the plot. It could drive things, and I think that was ignored a little bit more than it should have been. I get it. The movie was already t- you know two hours and ten minutes. You know you can't have everything in there, but there are a couple other things that like you and I texted about this. Like <clears throat> they don't really make clear what Edward is doing in the movie, like when he's exposing himself to the sunlight at the clock tower. Yeah, you're not they just aware say of that. like, oh, he's going to reveal himself. Like... Well, you're aware of it if you read the book and then watch the movie. You know right. what's happening. But if you didn't There's read the There's a book, lot of that. Yeah, and this is the sign, I think, this is the thing that always is overlooked, and this is the reason that book adaptations often fail when you take a novel and make it into a movie is because the person writing it, and I can understand this, like you're reading the book constantly, right? Like you're reading it over and over again. You're pulling out what parts you want. You're outlining the script, right? I get it. Like you get so caught up in the kind of, you know, I have to put this in, I have to put, like you kind of lose track of the kind of taking a step back and being like, okay, if I didn't know anything about the book, would I be able to understand what's happening on screen right now? And I think that that's a huge disconnect that you start to see. And you start to see this in the later Harry Potter movies. You start to see this as big kind of sweeping epic series like this that started as novels start to fall apart a little bit. Uh, But yeah, like that was the first one I noticed where I was like, you know, you're really not aware of most of what's happening with Edward unless you've read the book and you're watching this because they don't explain why Edward's doing that. They don't explain how he was rejected that well. They really don't explain, you know, the whole why they let them go. Uh, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, they thing. also. There, it was a really confusing. There's like, so one thing that's good is that more action happens when they're there. In the movie, than happens in the book, but it's not really. It didn't make sense to me why it was happening. Like, didn't they start fighting at some point? Oh, right, because they were gonna like they were like we're gonna get rid of Bella now, because she can't just know right and then they have that fight and edward's being all emo so at least there's like a little bit of action there that doesn't happen in the book yeah i that's what i mean it's just it's a little it was a little hard to follow if you hadn't read the book i mean i didn't have a problem because i read the book but i just you know as i was taking notes and i was like, all right, you well, also I'm don't just... understand why the celebration's happening like you don't right yeah there's like a lot of yeah there's a lot of stuff that's not 
clear. Same thing they don't do in the movie. They don't show Bella. They don't show them travel to Italy. Like, which is we don't fine. see yeah. the time change because that's like the big tension of will they get there in time? Because they have to right. get on a fucking plane, and that's the fastest way for them to get there. Right. And then steal a Porsche 911 and cut yeah. up the Italian countryside with it, man. <laughs> cut yep. up this fucking... Yeah, uh, they don't really show Bella leading Jacob on in the movie either. Um, no. At least not as well as the book does or as clearly as the book does. So you're right. They said you lose a little bit of sympathy for Jacob because you don't see that. Uh, but, you know, that's not a huge deal, but it is considering the main tension of the entire fucking series is, was she going to choose Jacob or Edward? Like, right? I mean, I haven't read all this series. I haven't watched all these movies, but, like, even I know that, again, because it was just such a cultural phenomenon. I don't know. They had a different director for this one, too. Uh, fuck, I didn't write down the name, but I know it was, I think it was a different director, and then Melissa Rosenberg was the same writer. But, all right. <sighs> My final questions about this kind of in the movies, right? Uh, book or movie better? Ugh. I gotta say book just because I don't know if I could have enjoyed the movie without the book. I asked Bill that too. I was like, do you think, like, I mean, he didn't have an answer really. Yeah. But I was like, can you, like, enjoy this with, like, uh, the movie without the book and he's like i bet some people can but like i was like i don't know right like i think i'm only in this because i already know yeah uh that's what i would say too so my answer changed from twilight i'm twilight the original book i would say so the movie is better than the book but in this case for new moon i would agree with you i think the book is better than the movie in this case uh it just yeah the, the movie doesn't quite where I think as like in the last one for the first movie Twilight, it was able to make the book a little better paced. It was able to take the story and make it a little bit work a little bit better too. And then in this one, it's kind of, you know, it failed to do that. So that's why I was like, all right, well the book is better for this one. And I guess I, I, I'm, I mean, I don't know cause I haven't seen it in the last three movies, but it's like when we get to them, I imagine my fear is that that's going to be a steady kind of decline as we progress through these yeah. movies here. But yeah, for this one, I'd say definitely the movie, uh, the book is better than the movie. Not true for the first you one. Also, yeah. I mean, they also both seem more like assholes in the book. I'm sure I did. I don't know that I've thought that the first time I read them. Um, but like even this whole thing with like, Edward sort of like selfishly being like well I can't live in a world where you don't exist but like he obviously expects her to right. and like to move on knowing how she feels and like it's this weird martyr and like I don't know there was this thing where like we see Bella being an asshole throughout the book which again I can't tell if that's like something I see now just as an adult and would not have because uh, I don't remember if I felt that way right. but again not what I was really reading it for but yeah I don't know they're back to being hot and heavy although it is like 
more dumb in the book that like there's this whole like it's the same thing i'm just gonna like keep repeating myself this whole motivation of like well it seems that you cannot be safe so leaving you isn't an option it's like oh how cool yeah so glad to know that if i could like if i was normal and could walk in a straight line without tripping over my feet you would be free to go and would not be proposing to me Another question, and this is about both book or movie. We could talk both sepsises. Is there enough of a relationship with Jacob and Bella to believe it? Not in the movie, no. What about the book? <sighs> Maybe more, but like it still just feels like Bella trying to convince herself. And I felt sort of mad at her the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For being kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like, I was more, I was, like, on his side. I wasn't, like, Team Jacob, but, like, a, like in a way. And Jacob's more human. I never see, I don't think when I was reading this, I ever saw that being a true option. Nor is it, like, you need to have the closure of them getting back together, I guess. Because that's, like, it's a fucking romance novel. Right. But you also want to see it get messier and like be more of a realistic triangle and like have her be actually kind of torn. Yeah. Because she's never actually torn in this. It's just right. like, oh, but couldn't I at least try to make him happy if I'm going to always be forever miserable? I mean, I'm happier when I'm around him. <laughs> like, it's just this weird. I mean, she's the same as Edward. Like, they're the same character, basically. Yeah. They're both these weird <clears throat> martyr. I mean, it's like all fantasy shit. Like, no. Let it be me. I'll go through the pain. It's yeah. my pain. My depression. And I was expecting a Muse song to play at some point in the movie, and it kind of never did. Yeah. I wonder if in the there, next movie they'll have like a Muse song over the credits. Yeah, I just I think that she, they could have let her fall more in love with Jacob, and it would have been better. I mean, like maybe it would have helped her have more substance if we saw her being more human <laughs> with another person, and, and like Jacob, go on a more normal date, like just right. even as like a character building thing, which feels kind of silly to say in like the second book of a series to still need more character development of your main character, which is ongoing, but like, you know, and like I said, Jacob is kind of more human, like werewolves that are depicted in both as more human than vampires. They still eat food, right? Like they have body temperature. <laughs> like uh they he's not like unable to kiss her because Immortal. he might kill her. Yeah. Yeah, he's not immortal either. Yeah, exactly. Like they age. There's all that. Yeah. So there is like more human elements to it, but Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it that you t- people tend to fall in the Jacob's camp just because I don't know. He also, like, has more of a character, Yeah, <laughs> it feels like. Especially beyond... in this book, yeah. Because, like, I don't know, you see him, like, kind of, at least to some degree, interact with his friends. He's, like, playing more of what feels like a 
some sort of trope of the slightly younger guy who's like family friend falls in love with girl next door kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. My last thing. And we already, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, he's just like more normal. He's like more that he's less otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah. Like more human. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, my last thing, and we kind of already talked about this at the beginning, is what is it about the emo era? Oh my god, dude. I mean, the hits, the fucking jams. The girly boys uh, with like eyeliner and hair straighteners. The, and... the tight pants. Yeah, the girl jeans. The messy hair. The screaming. Is all very good. Yeah. You know, cathartic. Right, and that's I mean these this books are very much uh, a part of the 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 cultural milieu that was happening at the time, right? Like the kind of indulgent. Yeah, the indulgent. Really self-indulgent. Yeah. The poor me kind of poor me but also i'm just gonna like wear this shit to call attention to it <laughs> what's that be like the performative self-harm I'm gonna wear chains yeah, yeah yeah the chains the performative self-harm right the um i'm hard but i'm sensitive yeah the i'm a freak look at me type thing yeah they, they uh, would yeah. literally sell t-shirts that said that right <laughs> like uh, <laughs> keep staring at me blah blah like... i'm different yeah uh, yeah. I'm not like other girls. I'm sad. <laughs> but then, yeah, like I kept thinking about that. Like, yeah, this fits in. It makes perfect sense when you were alive during that time and you can look back at it now and be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense why Twilight was such a hit because it was just it fit perfectly into the fever of the emo era like the kind of your lipstick is collar don't bother angel right <laughs> they get fit i know exactly what goes on yeah exactly <laughs> yeah cute without the e dude that's the name of that song like cut <laughs> like that yeah. is it was very like when it's like this performative self harm was very much part of it, right? Fuck you, I hate life. Yeah. And I think Edward's character especially starts to make a little bit more sense when you put it into the cultural oh, so context. Oh emo, dude. So emo. Yeah. That picture I sent you when him and Kristen Stewart were like at some award thing or like maybe at a premiere. I think it was one of the premieres because by the second movie it had come out that they were dating and like living together basically. Dude, that hair. I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, like part of him did that. Part of him did it for like the I play Edward Cullen and Edward Cullen has this sort of like carefully messy hair thing. It was also just that was but, a style at the time. Like, that was part of but it. But, like, right? you also know that it was, like, in part because he was like, this is hot. This is hot right now. Yeah, dude. The manic panics phase. The manic, uh, very hot topic. Yeah. Like, you could like you could walk into a hot topic and probably buy copies of Twilight at the time. Like, or at least the t-shirts. 
like a new moon or like Edward or J Edward versus Jacob tease. I remember those being big, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude, you gotta, I mean, that picture, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of, there are a lot of, oh, there were so many, like, Team Jacob, Team Edward tees. I remember at that time being like, you can't do that. This isn't something where you can wear t-shirts for this. That's not, that's not socially okay. <laughs> oh, oh, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Well, I but, didn't like, either, but, did. yeah. I mean, obviously, you didn't. Like, yeah. and I was into it. Right. So even then, there was, like, I think a sense of shame about it, which is weird. Well, by the time they're selling T-shirts of it, right, it become, it's become mainstream. So it's now uncool to like something that's mainstream now. The kind of, you know, we talked about this with Bogan, that Bogan quote, right? No longer worrying about not being a square, right? No longer struggling to not be a, a square, just kind of, yeah. it's, it's cap. I mean, that's a true thing, right? Like usually always comes from the external. Yeah. That picture. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a vampire in that fucking picture, dude. Yeah. He's trying to, but he's like, <laughs> it's hot though. The ladies like it. Yeah. And Kristen Stewart like kept her brunette hair for a while. She not. That. Uh, she's not. No, she's. I think she's kind of like a dirty blonde, natural, kind of like a what? like kind of like my hair. I think that's her natural hair, but she looks great as a blonde now, and she looks great as a brunette when during the Twilight era. So that's. I mean, just speaks to her beauty, kind of thing. But yeah. Dang, I did not know that she was a blonde girl. Well, like kind of off blonde, not like the like the. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that makes sense because she looks good with both types, like any type of that style. Uh, even when she went like the very big, like shaved head, like I'm a lesbian, like <laughs> kind of like when she shaved her head, kind of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. That, was just, that, was, that was just a couple years ago, right? That uh, the shaved head phase. Yeah, well, didn't she have like real short hair on that um, deep sea? Thing where she was like playing some chick on a submarine and she had yeah, like yeah. super short bleached hair or something yeah, yeah, yeah. and that movie could have been decent except that they like added the whole monster element uh i yeah that movie was a disappointment uh but i remember her saying something because i think something big came out right i think it might have been charlie's angels the reboot where she played the main one uh a couple years ago and I think it was like the same time period, but she said something about how like she had filmed that um, underwater one like a couple years before they filmed the Charlie's Angels. So like people were, but I think the Charlie's Angels came out bef before Underworld or Underwater was released or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and that's pretty much, I watched that movie one, cause it's a cool concept too, because yeah, Kristen Stewart was the star, dude. Although I haven't watched the Diana one yet, her biopic. Oh boy. I should have made out. 2006, dude. Mm -hmm. 2006 was the peak. That's what I said. It was the peak of emo. 
was I was looking through because when I looked through those albums, still should have made out. 2006, peak, peak, man. So many fucking albums came out that year. Like I, I just couldn't believe how many great albums came out. How much it was tied into kind of like the emo shit. Yeah, dude. The so underworld, emo. the underworld series, right? Kate I Beckinsale. don't really actually, yeah. It's. I remember those. That was a little movies. bit before all that. It was a little those bit before. Were those books? No, those weren't books. But it was still like books, it was a little bit before the emo takeover of everything. So it was still kind of that new metal, right? Yeah. Corn and all that kind of shit. Some yeah. listeners will know what I'm saying, but whatever, just know that that genre, right? And it's like that came out, and that got very, you know, Kate Beckinsale yeah. and tight leather Matrix style kind of, oh, yeah. yeah, pale vampires. Uh, werewolves. All that good shit. Yeah, like <laughs> literally vampires versus werewolves. Werewolves were everywhere. <laughs> I guess they always have been, but yeah. That's why I was like, yeah, maybe that's why I'm drawn to it more. Or maybe it is just kind of like, well, I'm in the middle of a story right now because this is a four, this book, is, this story is four maybe books long. Maybe because you're just, you're waiting for them to make out already. That, and like, I do like, like the whole thing for me when I talk about stories, like I want to know how it ends, right? I want to be like, all right, well, what happens? And now that this story just is four books long, it's like, well, I have to read all these books if I want to know what happens. I'm in it for the making out. Yeah. Which there is very little of. <laughs> like, there is very little of that. Exactly. Very little of that in this one. For the possibility of making out is most of the tension yeah. in the in the series. Yeah. yeah. It's great. But it could have given me a little more this time. I'm here for Big it. hairy wolf dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Battle right. of the Monster Dicks. So that'll be the next one. <laughs> Wolves or vampires? <laughs> Wolves and vampires. All right, are you done with this? Anything else? Yeah, I'm done I'm with done. this. Yeah, I'm done. We've, we're burnt out with this. Uh, okay, if you want to contact us, contact us at heavyboardpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on whichever platform you consume your podcast. We're on all of them now. Uh, subscribe to our Patreon if you want to receive uncensored episodes, get some of our locked episodes. We try to have some good ones for patrons. Uh, check out our YouTube channels. All that's up there as well. We have clips up there. Uh, we always, As always, we would link all the books we talked about in the description to this, as well as a link to our uh, RSS feed. And next episode, we are continuing the Twilight Saga. We did a slight change of plans. <laughs> it's for our zero listeners that are uh, out there. So you won't mind, I'm sure. Uh, we can't stop. We can't stop. We were just like, I was, we were talking, we are just like, all right, we're just going to go through the whole series now. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch Colors, Theory of the Lyric when we're done. So next episode, we're doing Eclipse. <laughs> Eclipse. <laughs> I really thought you were just going to say, well, we'll touch Color's dick next week. Yeah, we'll touch Color's dick uh, in a couple weeks, dude. We're all about the wolf dick right now. His oh, throbbing. Wolf and vampire dick. Yeah, dude, his throbbing theory. Uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll touch that next time. So hot. Uh, this has been Heavy Board. I guess we'll, uh, we'll see you all next time. May. Heavy. Board. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy. <laughs>
a lack of gratitude for life. Bored. I, I aspire to boredom, I should say. Bored. Heavy. I am heavy, heavy. heavy. Bored. Has you the night sweats and the day sweats, pal? Pal, I do.